previously on Elite Weekend. You got it, Chrissy. Don't fucking call me that. I'm the acting secretary general of the United Nations, not your favorite stripper. Could be room for both. <laughs> I'm glad you made it. The universe would be less interesting without you. Sir, are you classified as human? Uh, negative. I am a meat popsicle. You bet I could. I'm not such a bad pilot myself. We don't have to sit here and listen to this. You did this, so you're gonna have to answer for it. I'm gonna ask you this once, and then I'm gonna kill her. How do I fix my ship? <laughs> Space. 
Everybody. Welcome to Elite Week, episode 45, Friday, October 16th, 2020, Galactic Water Cooler. And this is a hostful podcast. That's right. We've got 20% extra arson, Roy, and Tweet coming at you because we uh, we don't have a guest tonight. We're just going to focus on the home crew. So, uh, everybody, you know me. My name's Kaizen. We can just get right to it. Arson, say hello to the beautiful people. Hello, everybody. No pop from me. I just got a glass of whiskey. Roy, say hello. Good evening, everyone. Hope you're having a great Friday night. Glad to have you here. And we saved the best for last. Tweet, say hello to the beautiful people. Oh, I don't know about that, but happy Friday night, Commanders. I hope everybody out there is having a good time and ready to have a good time with us. Hell yes. All right, let's get right to this. The cover art for tonight's show is Life in a Starport by Commander Fosdyke. That shit is fire. And um, our opening song was all about that space, a parody by the library parts. The closing song will be Expedition by Miguel Johnson from his new album, Expedition Artemis. We will have a giveaway for a uh, code for that whole album uh, right after the real life science section of the show. Links to everything will be in the show notes that'll be up as soon as the show is posted. So after the live stream and all right, let's start with the podcast intro. First off, tonight is a new moon. So everybody make sure you get out there and, you know. I don't know, have a have a beer, smoke a joint, whatever, and go up there and stare at that beautiful moon and just know that uh man, that this whole creation, this whole thing is a fucking awesome miracle. And if you pray to God or science or whatever, just enjoy this for just a moment. All right, I want to say happy belated birthday to Zach Antonacci, the dastardly dawn. Fucking A. That's right, howl at that moon. Uh, also, I want to say happy birthday to Wes Chatham, Amos from The Expanse. My boy West had a birthday on the 14th. You know who he shared a birthday with? Dr. Kate Rubens, the astronaut. And you know how she celebrated her birthday? Like a fucking boss. She celebrated by launching on a Soyuz MS-17 uh, along with Sergei Rizhikov and Sergei Kudzverskov. From Baikonur Cosmodrome in Kazakhstan, they went to ISS Expedition Crew 65. Well, they are ISS Expedition Crew 65. They docked safely at the space station, and then she had her birthday party. Like a boss! On the same day, October 14th, Blue Origin, the uh, Jeff Bezos-backed space tourism company, launched its 13th test flight and its new uh, of its new Shepard rocket system and capsule. Uh, there was a successful launch and landing of the reusable rocket, and the capsule carried prototypes of test sensors for NASA to use in the Artemis project. Two days from today, on Sunday, uh, October 18th, SpaceX is going to launch a Falcon 9 rocket, uh, the 13th batch of uh, launch of uh, 60 operational satellites for mission Starlink 13. 
It's going to be launching from Complex 40 at Cape Canaveral at 827 Eastern Daylight Time or 1227 UTC. You can catch it live on their channel. On October 20th, which is next Tuesday, OSIRIS-REx, which we've been telling you about repeatedly for the last month or two, they will do their first attempt to collect a sample from Bennu. Uh, you can see it live on NASA TV. There will be a link in the show notes. Uh, it, the coverage of the touch and go maneuver beginning at 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time or 9 p.m. UTC. This shit is crazy. This is an asteroid that is 8 million miles away. And we are about to collect samples from it and bring them back to Earth in 2023. Shit is legit. Uh, on October 20th and the 21st, the Orion Orionid meteor shower will be happening. So you can go outside and take a look at that. And on October 22nd, the moon will be in conjunction with Jupiter at 5.12 p.m. UTC. Uh, and in conjunction with Saturn uh, at 3.24 UTC. The, so like, you know, eight hours later. Um so look for the trio, the, the trio of them in the night sky. It's going to be awesome. Roy, how about you hit us up with the plugs? So if you're listening to us on the podcast and would like to see the live show and visuals, you can check us out at youtube.com forward slash Elite Week. If you're watching us on YouTube and would like to know how to catch our podcast, check out anchor.fm forward slash Elite Week. For sending us your thoughts by email, you can reach us at eliteweek3306 at gmail.com. Our very active and growing Elite Week Discord can be found at tinyurl.com forward slash Elite Week Discord, where you can check out our community feedback, resources on turning the wheel, and real-time updates about Elite from a variety of content creators. In addition to the Discord community feedback channel, feel free to write in our YouTube comments anything about the topic of the week as well as anything else you'd like to share. We'd love to hear from you. Also on YouTube, please make sure to like and subscribe and click on the bell. It really helps us out. We record live on YouTube every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, midnight UTC, so come and join in on the fun. If you're listening to us on the podcast, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you use. And let us know if there's a format you want us to look into. We don't do Patreon, so save your money and just tell your friends about the show. All right. So let's go through... Uh, let's let's just start right off the bat with uh, the Dark Wheel update. So today we landed in Ark. We aimed for Lave, and we landed in Ark. Shit just went against us. We had some weird, screwy stuff with the tick missing for three days. It then showed up. Was it a full tick? Was it not a full tick? You can get ask, ask ten people and get ten different opinions. Um, but hey. Shit played out that way. It is what it is. Um, I'm going to address the arc situation, but first, <clears throat> I want to shout out some people in the uh, Black Sky Legion that have been doing yeoman's work. I'm talking about people like Janda Bulldozer. I'm talking about people like Abel Airy, who got a hundred negative 177 imp for the Orev group uh, yesterday. Like, what? Uh, Biotic Keen. 
negative 229 inf in one day. And his comment was, my eyes hurt. <laughs> okay, quadrivian resonance, 70, negative 74 inf. Thundar, negative 128 inf. Controlodon, negative 81 inf. Commander Marcellus, negative 84 inf. Negative 88 inf for, for Chambers. See uh, Commander B Chambers. Swordsmith, negative 113 inf. These guys... And many, many, Jesus Christ, SWR, negative 206 inf. This is one day's report from these guys. And this isn't a crew that's reporting that. That's one guy saying, okay, I got negative 204. I got negative 180. I got negative this. I got negative that. These guys worked their asses off. And partly to dumb luck, partly due to probably poor management on my part, which I take full responsibility for, probably... A little weird tick, whatever issue. Abel area, another negative 103 inf. I'm just scrolling up. Vitakine, negative 118 inf. These are guys that are putting out regularly by themselves over 100 influence negative, which means they have to go and do a round of negative inf, then go do a round of recovery of their rep, then more negative inf. I'm not going to get into the details of how these guys are doing some of the things that they're doing because I don't want to give away our uh, practices. Uh, I want to keep our our edge. But um, these guys have been figuring out group activities and other means to legally, within the rules, do things to maximize both their loss of influence on the target that we're trying to tank as well as their rebuilding techniques in ways that are innovative, innovative and awesome. And I, I just cannot enough shout out all of the guys of the Black uh, Sky Legion who have been doing crazy, crazy good work, as well as Crypto, Micah Maverick, uh, uh, the guys of the BGS group, uh, the guys of the the rabbit hamsters group, like I don't want to just I don't want to you know like make it seem like oh it's just one it's it's massive groups of people. But when I look at these things and I'm seeing two negative two hundred inf and negative whatever in a day, I really wanted to shout out these guys who have just been superstars. Now, the fact of the matter is, is shit went against us, and we landed not where we expected to land. It we landed in Ark. We were invited to be guests of the Lave Radio Navy in Lave. We landed in ARC. All right, so here's the thing. ARC has a group that owns it called the Alliance Rapid Reaction Corps. Now, I don't mean to be a dick about this, but I'm just going to say it how it is. We could run through them like that. But we will not do that because guess what? Might is not right. The fact of the matter is, is they are a player group who own this system. They own this system before we got here. We had no intent of coming here and we just landed there by accident. And so they reached out to me. They were very polite. They were very uh, professional. And they said like, hey, could you please come talk to us? Because you've landed in our system and we're a little concerned. What are your intentions and what are your, uh, like, what are you doing? So 
I joined their Discord today and I went over and I spoke with them and I assured them of a couple of things. Number one, we have zero intention of being anyone's bully. I am a content creator. I this is this project is a experiment. We are not a group that is looking on conquest. We are not looking to you know take over anything. We are trying as an experiment to expand the dark wheel, but our prime directive for this experiment is that we will not screw over any player groups who own an existing system that we happen to stumble into. We have successfully avoided this confrontation the entire time up until now. And now we popped into this spot by accident. And as we've popped into this spot, I've reached out to them and told them the ball is in your court because they said like, hey, would you come over and start negotiations with us? And I came over and said, just to be clear, this is not negotiations. I am telling you, this is your house. This is your rules. If you say that we will consent to you being here as our guest, we will accept the following terms and we will live by them. Number one, and I'm saying this publicly, I've said it already in, in their Discord, in my Discord, and I'm saying it publicly here, and I'll say it on the record, on the forums, I'll say it everywhere. Number one, if they will consent to us being their guests, then we will be a good house guest, which means we will rise above the natives, we will keep separation distance from them to avoid conflict, and we will through every means possible, avoid conflict. And if we accidentally somehow slip into a conflict with them, we will tank ourselves to lose it, to make sure that they maintain ownership of this system. The system of ARC, as far as I'm concerned, belongs to the Alliance Rapid Reaction Core because they owned it when we got here. And we have a rule that we don't steal from other player factions. Now, if they will consent to us being there, we will also pledge to defend them against anybody that invades and attempts to take it over from them. What do we ask from them? Do we ask that they give us the same pledge? No, because we'll take care of ourselves. We don't need any help from anybody, but we will absolutely pledge that to them because it's their house. If you're a guest in someone, else is someone else's house, you learn how to act right so that you're a welcome guest as opposed to a nuisance. But, and I want to make this extremely crystal clear to everyone that is hearing the sound of my voice. If for any reason, they don't have to give us a reason, but if for any reason they decide on their own to let us know, hey, we've thought about it and we don't want you here. We want somebody else here. We just, sorry, but we would really appreciate it if you would leave. We will leave no questions asked no retribution no anything because this group is not bullies we don't do that this is their property we've wandered into it by accident and now the important thing is at the end of this process they are able to tell themselves and us and the world hey the dark wheel project they stumbled into our yard and we are more than happy with the way the situation ended. They were very gracious. That is important. That is key. We are not bullies. Might does not make right. So 
as far as where we're at with everything else, we're great. Everything's great. It'll be, you know, wonderful. We're going to have to backtrack and work around or if 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 they will allow us to stay in this, we will not be taking over the system to expand out of it. We'll still be expanding out of Tour de Tani on the way to Lave and expanding out of, uh, you know, the other system on the way to Seoul. But um, it's a situation, it's a setback, and we will take it with class, and we will take it well and move on from there. So that is where the dark wheel is at. Let's stop right here for a moment and get feedback from the crew. I'm looking here in the recording booth channel to see who, okay, tweaked. Tell me your thoughts on this matter. Well, first off, I'd just like to say that uh, I wouldn't even call it a misstep, really. The BGS is not, by any stretch of the imagination, an exact science. You can massage things. You can try to manage things the best you can, and every now and then, things happen. You land where you weren't supposed to land. Somebody else retreats the day before you ex go into expansion and you end up sliding into a different system than what you were expecting i've had it happen before everybody that works the bgs for any amount of time has had the same experience Fair. and it is a perfect opportunity to show that we are not trying to be the bullies of the galaxy so i think everything will work out just fine and by no means should anybody working on this project be frustrated with this at all this is par for the course with bgs everything has gone so swimmingly smooth so far mm. that this is pretty much the first step backwards and this is very much normal for bgs work i will just say though as you said it's we've never had a misstep thus far so honestly i'm not complaining but i feel like if we hadn't had mistakes we might have landed right i i and the only reason why i say that is because the work that the bgs committee and i don't take any credit for it myself it's them they're fucking geniuses the work they've done thus far has been flawless i think the mistick cost us a little bit but whatever roy your thoughts well, I I guess I'd say I'm I'm really um, glad to hear you once again, you know, reiterate what you've said before about the values that uh, that you're holding the group to. Um, sometimes the things that go without saying need to be said. Um, so I'm just I'm glad to see that, and I support that, and I I, um, uh, I think it speaks very highly of the caliber of the people that uh, you've recruited into the group. Yeah, it's a good it's a it's a very good group, and and uh, yeah. All right, so let's leave the Dark Wheel update to the side for a moment and move on to Frontier News. And you know what? When we're talking about Frontier News, I'm going to have to uh, start the next one here because, yeah, it's that good. So first off, on the subject of patches, whatever changes, patches slash changes, obviously the thing we just discussed was the missing tick. The BGS missing tick for three days it was fixed on day four, but then if you ask some people, they will say that there were three ticks that happened in rapid succession within an hour or so of each other on one night. Some people will say that only one of the ticks happened. Some people will say that two of the ticks happened and some stuff is missing. It's, oh, it's just whatever. So first off, the problem, the main problem why it sort of went for a while is because it happened over a weekend. And, you know, Davstot is in there, you know, Monday through Friday, 
managing the BGS server and handling all of the stuff. But when something happens on the weekend, it can slip and it can be an issue. Now, there's been a lot of speculation as to, well, what was changed when that tick went missing? Something happened where there was an automated system that worked one day and didn't the next. Some people have said, oh, I think it has something to do with the Dark Wheel project and that they made some change to allow us to move into Seoul or something to happen with Lave. Some people have said, I think it's tied to the CG and the Liz Rider new double engineered missile rack. Some people have said, oh, I think it's tied to this or it's tied to that. There's tons of theories. You ask a thousand people, you'll get about 900 answers and, you know, 100 uh, uh, duplicates, but you'll get tons of different answers. Um, but in the end, the fact of the matter is, is something went wonky. It got fixed, maybe completely, maybe not all completely, but it is what it is. Tweak, your thoughts. Well, on the missed tick, I will say, and for to FDev's credit, this rarely ever happens. True. I, I mean, two the or last three time, years of playing BGS, and I think I remember a tick not happening one time. The last time it happened was in December. We had like three ticks in one day, so that was... I mean, that was, you know, 10 months ago. And, and and before that, the last time it had happened, I think, was over a year before that. So, yeah, you're right. It's rare. And as far as the ticks themselves, I know following our ticks and OPICs, uh, we had one, it was around midnight that night, and then two more pretty quickly the very next morning. <laughs> and we didn't seem to get all of our progress that we were expecting to get, but we got some of it. <laughs> but all in all, I mean, anybody that knows me in this game knows that BGS is my, my specialty, so to speak. And, mm. and it really didn't bother me. The way I looked at it was, okay, the BGS is broken. Until there's a tick, there's no sense in wasting our time. We don't know if it's going to count. It gave me a breather, a chance to go do a few other things. And then once they got it fixed, life went on. BGS is a long-term game. It is 100%. not a day day-by-day has to happen has to happen i mean it messed up a couple of elections we lost a day or two on some things all in all no big deal to me uh we'll we'll overcome and keep on moving forward so i don't really think it's that big of a deal altogether a hundred percent the fact of the matter is is look life's not fair what are you gonna fucking do you're gonna cry about it or you're gonna put on your big boy pants and figure it out and make shit work the best you can improvise adapt and overcome Anybody who's spending time complaining is spending time not fixing the fucking problem. So, whatever. It is what it is. We move on. Next up, we've got streams. So, Monday was Super Cruise News number nine. It was a stream uh, where they announced that uh, from now on, uh, the streams, the Monday streams, will actually be moved to Tuesday afternoon, starting at 2 p.m. UTC which is 3 p.m. British summertime. I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think they intend for them to stay at 3 p.m. their time. So 3 p.m. British time, which during British summertime is 2 p.m. UTC. When British summertime ends, it'll move back to 2 p.m. So we'll see. I think that the time on that is going to move around, but for now, it's 2 p.m. UTC until further notice. Um, in the stream... It was uh, Bruce and Steven, excuse me, Bruce and Art, 
They were doing CZ runnings in Mambas. Uh, they were very, very smug about the Empire's lead with regard to the CG. Um, in that, they acknowledged the BGS tech issue, the tick issue that, that it was missing. Bruce talked about game balance as a credit issue. Uh, and uh, they... Uh, they called out Elite Week. They, they uh, Bruce talked about like, yeah, last week's Elite Week. They had a really good discussion about credits and different things with credits and different things that you know can be done. He was referring, I, I believe, directly to our expansion core idea. Um, so yeah, I think that was that was very very cool of him to call us out in their in their stream. I appreciate it. And Art made a tease about the Halloween event. He said. Keep your eyes open for hints over the next two weeks of things to come. Now, one could suggest that one of the hints of things to come was the CG that got announced, you know, uh, with regard to, uh, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, the, 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 the Argoids are back. But, um, you know, that was something that, that happened two days later on, the, on Thursday. Um, or it could be other stuff. So keep your eyes open. You know, I'll be keeping my eyes open. We here at Elite Week will let you know as soon as something fishy comes up because we're expecting good shit. Arson, your thoughts on the uh, Super Cruise theme? Stream. Uh, so I just wanted to touch on one of the comments about the Thargoids being back, uh, mm -hmm. and and that is so far there's nothing actually new this area was already active with uh these non-human signal sources but that's I that's would, all i had to say on it i would correct you a little bit and say there is definitely something new in that we have never had an axcg before that is ah, new that's, that's you a fair are, point you are absolutely right that, that we don't have axcz's we don't have new enemies or whatever but yeah, you're absolutely right. It's it's a mix of, it's a ramp up, I would say. And the wording of the CG itself specifically said, "Hey man, you guys better get on this because you know more stuff could be coming." Yeah, you know, dun dun dun. Roy, your thoughts? Well, and just to say it, you can get cut rate price guardian modules now too. That is also new. You can get so uh, also new with regard to the idea, not with regard to AX per se. Well. With regard to the cut rate uh, modules, 100%, that's AX related. But with regard to something new in the galaxy, there is the fact that people that finish in the top 75% of this CG will get two things. Number one, you will have Guardian Frameshift Drive boosters unlocked, period. Just that's a thing forever, as many as you want. Also, you will get one size four in a hanger for free. Just like, here's a gift go you know whatever but um yeah all right so that is with regard to the monday super cruise news stream frontier also did a stream and again from now on it won't be the monday stream it will be the tuesday afternoon noon stream so look forward to that i personally think that's a great idea because monday first thing in the morning or they noon for them first thing in the morning for us but monday at noon they're just getting back into the office after the weekend and getting their handling problems that came up and dealing with questions and whatever. They're they're clearing their backlog of the weekend. Moving this to Tuesday gives them the opportunity, I think, 
to get through more shit and to kind of get like have some more something to say and i think that you may disagree but i feel that the quality of the streams of late over the last month or two have been vastly superior the tone has been different there's been more sharing there's been more looking for opportunities to engage with the community openly and honestly and i think that giving them that sort of extra day to get into the week and get it right will put them in a better footing to be able to share more so tuesdays and thursdays for the stream i think is is fantastic so that's that now the thursday stream was fight or flight the on that thursday stream they had planned to have um Steven and Bruce on with Soldier Sailor. He had some real life issues come up and was not able to, uh, you know, sort of attend. So he had to back out at sort of the last minute or whatever. Uh, and when he did, um, Down to Earth Astronomy graciously stepped in. They asked literally they asked out of the content creator group that i'm in like hey can somebody fill in and i was at the moment on the road in atlantic city i was like uh i'm over an hour away from my house and still with like four hours of work i cannot but uh you know it, it, it just kind of a, a a situation of like uh you know well i can't and other people were like i can't as well uh but um you know, um, down to earth stepped in and that worked out well. And then they started the stream. And unfortunately, Steven had some massive tech issue where they did about 30 seconds into the stream and then it just like died. And then they came back like 15, 20 minutes later and it was Bruce and Art. So Steven's tech, you know, working from home streaming from home problems uh it, it got it got fixed uh by having art step in so the stream was great what they did together was they were out hunting thargoids for the new cg um i think it was sort of a first time for bruce and uh art both and astro was very very lovely and was sort of their guide and walked them through it and uh, I'm seeing a lot of notes in the in the comment section, more or less to the extent of Astro is awesome. And that is 100% accurate. Down to the astronomy, in addition to making the best guides in all of Elite, is just a fucking awesome human being. Big salute to him. He stepped in at the last minute and sort of tour guided them very, very well through the process. And they were, they both started super scared and... By the end of it, I think they were both like, yeah, this is good. They killed some they killed some interceptors and they mo even moved up. And uh yeah, they 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 had a good time and, and it was a good stream. So I hope you check it out while you can. Um all right, after the streams, we've got uh Galnet articles. So this week we had a Galnet article about Liz Ryder reveals the link to the terrorist bombs. She basically said, like, hey man. I'm guilty in the sense of I made the bomb or made the delivery device. Uh, but 
I was lied to. There were some guys that came in that were claiming to be part of Euribia Blue Mafia, and they just said, hey, can you do some engineering on some on some like missiles or bombs for us? And I said, sure. And I didn't know. I just made the delivery device. I didn't know that they were going to put it together with um, Thargoid stuff, and I didn't know that they were going to use it as terrorists on peaceful people, you know, civilians in a station. I had no clue. She, you know, it, I think it says a lot that so in the end, if 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 I'm coming after you, right, and you're afraid that I'm going to catch you, and you're saying I didn't do it, I didn't do it, it's very likely that I'm going to be like, yeah, fuck you, I don't believe you. But if I come after you and you're like, fuck you, I push you off, like because the Empire came after her and we all defended her and she won, so they were stymied, they had no way to get at her. And after that, then she came clean with. Hey, here's the whole story. Here's my documents. Here's my testimony. Here's all the documentary proof that I have. In the end, the ISS or I double I double S, the internal Imperial Internal Security Service, that's basically the inter the Imperial Gestapo, uh, like looked over her testimony and documents and proof and said, Okay, we rescind the arrest warrant for you. We're not coming after you anymore. We believe you. There's some dirty nasty people impersonating other people and doing dirty shit and this nmla they're bad dudes but we believe you you're not part of it and they let her off the hook after that there was an article on october 14th the marlinist faction blockaded by the empire um with regard to that uh it, it's basically now denton petraeus has said oh we're going after aquata uh, uh, Aquata, the system of Aquata, we're going to put it on lockdown. We think that the Marlinists, the peaceful Marlinists in that system are acting as a sort of recruiting ground and they're harboring terrorists of the NMLA variety. So we're going after them and we're going to crack down on them. And that started a whole other CG, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. After that, on October 15th, there was an article on the Thargoids' return to the Witchhead Nebula. Obviously, that's another thing about the CG we'll talk about in a moment. And then on October 16th, there was an article about the Marlinus Exodus as Imperial lockdowns continue. And again, that ties to the CZ. We're going we're gonna to get to it. I'm going to do community goals, and then I'm going to get into questions about both the Galnet articles and the community goals. So, community goals. Last week's M The Empire beat the Marlinist because the Empire got level 3 of their CG, whereas the Marlinists only got level 2 of their CG, despite the fact that the Marlinists collected over 14.2 billion in credits, and the Empire only collected 9.2 billion in credits. So, despite the fact that the Marlinists collected 150%, you know, one and a half times as much as the Empire, the Empire still won the CG. And this week, the new AXCG, which, wow, an anti-Xeno community goal. Where have I heard that concept before? Oh, that's right. On last week's Elite Week. So this week, the AXCG and the Witch Head, I strongly suspect that this CG will not last the weekend unless Frontier steps in and ups the numbers. Um, and, and the hand and the hive are both excited about the CG and are actively, you know, going at it and like, this is good shit. 
Whereas the AXI is complaining that this is not enough. There's not even any new AXCZs or anything. This is just a CG using the existing non-human signal sources. So going over all of the Galnet articles and the community goals, we're going to start with first Roy, because you had an issue on the blockade question, and then we'll move to Tweak. <clears throat> yeah, it was more of a question of um, like blockading a system is a mechanism that's been used in a lot of different kinds of fiction, movies, mm -hmm. stories. And and here it is in a, in a uh, Galnet news. And obviously it's, it's a, it's part of the story. They didn't actually, you couldn't go there in game and see a blockade per se. Well, you sort sure, of could. Well, you sort if of could. And I'm, we, I guess we, my question is, is could you really, could they actually yeah. make it where they could blockade a system to the point where if you were with the wrong side, you get owned when you, you know, come out of the star. Yeah. So, so no, because that's not the way a blockade would work in a spacefaring civilization at, at a system. Making a blockade at the star would be a poor idea because it you can jump out. So the, the, the situation here is that Marlinist refugees were seeking to leave the system, right? So if you blockaded the entry to the star, that wouldn't stop them from leaving because you undock from the port and then you jump to another system. That would be a useless blockade. Well, so this I, I, was not a blockade to stop enter. I, this was a blockade to stop leaving. Yeah, my question wasn't so much about the specific instance here, although I would say if they were asking for people to come in and help get them to leave, then maybe an entrance blockade would work. It was more just a general question of, is that a mechanic that could actually be enhanced in Elite or using existing existing things? Like, could you put enough ships around a star that you could actually stop people from coming in? So again, they weren't trying to stop people from coming in. In this case, they were trying to stop people from leaving. And the way that you saw that blockade manifest was that there were mega ships in the medium CZs of uh, Marlinists that were trying to escape. And the blockade was the massive wall of attacking Empire ships that were attempting to cripple, destroy, thwart, remove the jump capability of the... Of the uh, of the Marlinists from getting away. Now, mm. with regard to if we were to separate this, if we were to divorce the idea of a system blockade from the story that we had here and just say like, what if you were to do a blockade where were you were trying to stop people from coming in? Yes, if you were trying to stop people not from leaving, but from entering the way to blockade, that would be a very massive amount of ships and 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 artillery and and defensive positions and whatnot around the entry point which would be the primary star under the elite dangerous model and that would be a super interesting thing to see a star is so big that i think the only way that that would work is if you had a bunch of fast dictors a bunch of fast interdicting ships that like when they saw somebody pop into the star, they would position themselves between the star and the the uh, different stations mm -hmm. in the system to try to because like you're not going to stop somebody from popping in there. There's just so much space on a star. But what you can do is catch them popping in and immediately chase them down and attempt to kill them on their way to whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was thinking in terms of like, what if somewhere in the future story there's actually a war 
And you had, that would be cool. can you actually make front lines in the sense that you cross this line in terms of somewhere on the galaxy map, and now if you're from the opposite side, you're going to have a heck of a time getting into that system because of, I mean, maybe they can't, maybe it's not a complete stoppage, but they can really make your life difficult trying to get into the system. Yeah, that would be done. That would be done with Eve style with you have tackle ships that are quick and maneuverable and their job is to interdict. And then you have killer ships whose job is to come behind the tackle ship and kill whatever gets tackled. Uh, Arson, I know you had a question with regard to the, the, the blockade mechanics on the interdictions. Yeah, so so a comment. I will say uh, you're spot on with the way that you know blockading somebody coming into the system works. Uh, one of my favorite ways to do it is actually get above or below the solar plane by at least about 500 light seconds, usually above or below the star, um, and you have free reign to basically catch up to anything because uh, you're not as affected mm. by gravity. But the the big thing with the blockade for this particular CG is they weren't blockading small ships, they were blockading mega ships. Leaving. Yeah, mega ships leaving. Now yeah. that raises a whole bunch of questions to me because no, I I didn't I looked, I couldn't find the mega ships. I know there was a mega ship in the system, but it didn't seem they related. were all of the mega ships were in the medium CZs. We all spent our time in the high CZs, and the mega ships weren't there. That was just heavy on combat. Yeah, yeah. That's that's mm. really unfortunate. I wish I had known that. Um, there was actually a weird trick too that the there were two medium CZs that spawned so damn close to each other that they were technically sharing the instance. So people were using, people were taking advantage, and I didn't want to promote it because I, I didn't, I didn't want whatever. But there were people in the know were taking advantage, and instead of working the high, they were working the two medium CZs because since they shared an instance, you would get double credits for every ship that you killed. Oh wow! Yeah, but it was still a medium and not the high, and I so I didn't do that. I didn't want to take a part of any of that. I just went for the high and 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 had a good time with that. I, I want I, so I know that Roy has another question, but we got to double back to Tweaked, who's been waiting patiently. You had a question about the CG as well. Yeah, well, mine is going to touch on what Roy's talking about too. I believe here, so this works out. Uh, as far as the uh, Empire winning despite the Marlinists having more credits in the CG, I, mm. I, I hope I know a lot in the community got upset about that thinking it was mm -hmm. kind of a cheap you know the FDEV weighted it that way and that may be and that it was kind of cheap I would argue that in my head canon the way I look at it is the Empire lost the CG in Eurybia and mm. to me if the mighty and great Empire gets their you know what's kicked in Eurybia they're going to come with more force in the next CG so I'm mm. thinking that they couldn't, the Marlinist, the little tiny Marlinist group couldn't put up with the big force of the Empire there. Yeah. That to me is why that it was weighted that way. I just hope FDEV is careful about that in the future because it looks, it's a bad look. It looks mm. like they are designing the story to go a certain way, which implies that what we're doing in game really doesn't matter. And I don't believe that to be the case, but I don't want the community to start in an uproar thinking that that is the case. See, I think I see what you're saying, and I think that that's partially it. But I think also tweaked with regard to the idea of this, I look at it and I see it this way. 
um, there's that great Scroobius, Scroobius Pip song where he says, you see a mousetrap, I see free cheese and a fucking challenge. For me, when I look at this CG, let's take, okay, let's divorce real world politics out of this. I'm going to give you a hypothetical scenario and completely divorce real world politics. I'm not trying to get into all of that fucking Trump Biden bullshit or whatever. Let's say it's America. And it's a no no president that we have now. No politician exists. It's a whole whatever. We got politician. We got we got uh, 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 Arissa Lavinia Duvall is the president of America, right? And she sends the commander of the she sends the the commandant of the Marine Corps down to fuck with uh, I, I don't know Arizona for some reason. And just said, well, Arizona's acting up. You go down there and crack down on those fucking people. So they send in the Marines to Arizona, right? And let's say Mexico is looking at this as an onlooker and saying, well, that's not right. That's a that's a travesty. It's a war crime. That's against human, you know, crimes against humanity. We're going to step in and try to pre protect Arizona from the Marines. Well, the fact of the matter is, is life isn't fair in that scenario it would very much be a case of who's the favorite to win the fight for sure the marines for sure the united states of america has more ability to exert force on its own people than outside actors have the ability to step in and try to like give their opinion so the fact of the matter is is you know if you see a fight and it's mike tyson versus an eighth grader Mike Tyson's going to kick the shit out of that kid unless things go way, way, way in the eighth graders, you know, favor. It's not a fair fight. Life is not fair. Don't cry about unfair fights. Fucking get put on your big boy pants and get it done. So if the fact of the matter is, is the the Marlinists had to do twice as much as the Empire to win. Is that fair? No, life's not fair. Fucking deal. If we all had gotten together and we all had gone super hardcore, we could have, we did 150%. We did one and a half times what the other side did. If we had upped that by another 50%, which is doable, and had done 200% what the other side had done, then the story would be the David and Goliath story of how we surprised everyone and, you know, beat the system. It, it was possible. Now, partially, when you two, do two combat CGs back to back, you get suppressed turnout, which is what I sort of predicted last week on the show. You do get that. I think that the story drew out so many people that were passionate in defense of the Marlinists because they are loving this story. But that was mitigated by the suppression by doing two CGs in a row and no sexy toy reward so people were just kind of meh on it so was it fair no is that a problem i mean it the optics of it aren't great i agree with you tweaked it doesn't look good for frontier it looks like they're steering the story but everyone who's crying that it's not fair that the marlinists lost let me ask you a question were you in the top 25 percent because i sure as fuck was if you're in the top 25%, maybe you got a reason to cry. If you're not, if you didn't do anything or you were, you know, in the bottom, you know, you were at the 80% or the top 100%, which means, you know, you did just a tiny, tiny bit, 
yeah, quit your bitching. Fucking man up and do more next time. Roy, your thoughts? So I think you're both right, for, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> um, I The only CGs I've been a part of are the ones that have happened recently because I didn't start playing until this year. And um, so just take that for what it's worth. But I think it's a false premise that this was supposed to be fair to begin with. I, I think it makes perfect sense that it's a, it's a whether you call it David or Goliath, there's going to be, uh, you know, stories that come up in this game where there's unbalanced parties and we get to participate in it. I'm totally fine with that. Um, I don't think that's the issue, actually. I think the issue is more to do with um, the mechanics of how this played out and should that have been a bit more transparent. Mm. Um, there was actually two things that I think made this feel a bit sneaky. Um, one was the, <laughs> one was the imbalance in the uh, you know the rate, however they ratioed it, I, how fast I each side went up. And, I guarantee you, I know the second point. And the like, second one, the second one is the names of the yes. factions that were fighting. Yes. How many people thought they were fighting for the the side that yes. you know Empire was in the side that was not the Empire? That so was like, incredibly misleading. And so, I, I pointed that out on last week's show. That right, was so fucking right. sneaky. So um, that's, I, I guess, my point is, if it's if the if the theme of the event is like a David and Goliath story, then maybe it should be a bit more apparent, or or we should just now be smarter and expect that if we see within the first you know twelve hours of a CG a very different progression up that bar because there's obviously a ratio between how much it's worth for one side versus the other, then now we should be aware of that, I guess. And that's gonna be the mechanism they use. The one about having the names misnamed, to me that almost felt a little immersion breaking in the sense that what it, people name groups for like, uh, as a way to get their brand or their theme or their vision out, mm -hmm. why would you name yourself after your enemy, right? Like it, it that piece didn't quite that's the piece to me that felt a bit sneaky because people people felt like they were people were misled i think that's the piece where people were misled so i 100 percent get you i do there is a certain amount of uh, you could call it a stupidity tax or you could call it i i, I don't know you could call it what else i don't but, know but i do i do agree that it's fine to have asymmetric cgs that's not a problem at all i don't think yeah, uh, the naming thing. But I mean, at the same time, we, I think, did a good job of getting it out there for people to know. I think yeah. that, uh, you know, I think other people should get, should, should, it's it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, man, life can, like, life is tricky sometimes. You could think you're doing, oh, I'm fine yeah. for the good, oh, shit, you're the bad guys, you know? I, I say it's immersion breaking because if we actually lived in this universe, we would have access to a whole lot more media and influence. Uh, you know, we'd be immersed in this so much would, so that would we probably we? wouldn't be, I don't know, but I would don't we? know that we'd be tricked as easily as just the, having the word empire. In the name. Let me ask you a question. You live in America. How many people were for the Patriot Act? Oh, it's the Patriot Act. It's got a Patriot right in the name. Must be a good thing. And then you find out that they're taking your freedoms and all kinds of stuff. All and right. I'll, 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 shit all the time. I'll trace you down. I'll chase you down that rabbit hole. It was the rebel force that used the name wrong. Like I could see the government force using the name wrong, but it was the opposite in this case. Yeah, I get it. I, I get it 100%. Arson, you had a question with regard to faction alignment. Yeah. Yeah. Comment on it, really. Um, the, the thing is, the Marlinists are imperial citizens they're imperial aligned they are in, yeah so i think that 
Frontier had maybe a choice. I think the only way that they could have avoided it, because you can't just run around changing the name of factions in the BGS, and part of the point of it occurring in the system that it did was because that particular faction uh, was the one controlling the system, and they wanted the system controller uh, mm. to be the one that is getting attacked. So they used a lesser non-controlling faction to represent Tin Petraeus. I think what maybe if if they can in the future, uh, if the system itself is not specific, choose a different system um, that I don't, doesn't I have don't, that name I, confusion. You're but, making you're you're mm. you're sort of you're sort of making the point from the standpoint of like yeah that was an unfortunate choice of theirs. It turned out confusing a lot of people. I kind of disagree with the premise of your statement I so think they i, did that I shit actually disagree with it as well because it's still an empire faction it's an empire lined group and i do agree that i think that frontier chose that system in that faction on purpose because they wanted to hammer home that denton petraeus is slaughtering the people of the empire he is supposed to be protecting and serving and Fuck that right. i think is, this is what radio free aquata we're bringing you the truth arson <laughs> spitting fucking facts at you throw that shit up on the screen arson let's get our posters up there free the people attica attica uh, yeah, I, I, I think i think it's aquata 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 fuck yeah fuck yeah all right uh yeah i mean 100 percent. these are all good thoughts these are interesting I agree with Tweet that I think it doesn't, it's not great optics for Frontier, like out of character, out of game, whatever. It's not great optics for Frontier to sort of be seen as uh, playing upon them or manipulating or or in some way misguiding their people, their, 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 their players. So out of character. In character... This is awesome JR Ewing underhanded shit. Fuck yeah, man. Like, okay, cool, whatever. We have to be better. We have to be smarter. We have to not complain when it's not fair. Get it done. Step up. Work harder. Life's not fair. What do you want, a fucking cookie? Stop crying and get it done. Amen. All right. So, yeah, we covered the fuck out of that CG. Also, I want to point out with regard to the new CG, um, this is a time, like, A, for sure get in there and whatever, but right now, <laughs> the unlock requirements for all of your AX stuff is heavily, uh, what do you call it, uh, subsidized. If you don't have some stuff, now's a great time to pick it all up and get ready, because Mm -hmm. there is more coming this is just the fucking tip of the iceberg all right so that covers all of the cg stuff um after that here's what we've got and my monitor is there we go all right so tweets and disclosures first david braben tweeted to elon musk saying hi elon musk Hi, at Elon Musk. Love to talk to you about something. Please DM me if you get a chance. That's right, folks. You are alive to see the birth 
of apex interstellar travel in the year 2020 this is how it starts off and yeah originally the flights were a little spotty and some people died but later on they got their shit together by 3306 uh i want to go down the horn i want all of you guys to uh give me your sort of uh like thoughts on this like, give me some funny thoughts on what do you think he wants to talk about? We're going to start with Roy. After that, Arson. After that, tweet. Well, the first thing I saw when I when I the first thing I thought when I saw that was like, wow, like David Braben is on a peer level with Elon Musk. Like he can just tweet at him and he's going to get an answer. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, uh, as to what he's uh, tweeting about, I don't know. Maybe they're going to put the Starman car in the game in the Soul System. Um, who knows? Um, that's that's. But my take on it was just that it's just it was a bit. I mean, of course, David Brayman's the head of like the most successful gaming studio in England and arguably a very prominent one uh, internationally now too. So why not? But it just kind of it kind of struck me, and I guess it's because I remember from way back when you know this was just a little game, and this is where he's come to. So kudos kudos to to David Brayman for. Uh, for for doing that arson well as far as i'm concerned og uh i'm sorry david braben is og um and elon musk is the newcomer as far as i'm concerned <laughs> because don't forget braben created the first procedural open world game ever in the world inspired the entire genre and he's one of the co-founders of the raspberry pi foundation one of the most true that's true one of the most freeing technological devices for regular people in this world so thank you david raven keep in mind that it was what a year or two ago maybe two years ago that somebody had tweeted something about like what would be cool stuff to send in game or what would be cool stuff to put as a as a, a neat thing to run on an operating system for one of your rockets or devices or whatever and elon on his own tweeted in response maybe something like the original elite danger or elite like he's a fan hmm. so yeah yeah good shit very cool tweet you had a thought yeah, when I saw that go over Twitter, I was kind of taken aback. I was like, "Whoa, he's uh, he, he's tweeting to Elon Musk, the, the the guy that's you know sending astronauts up in space beside NASA nowadays and everything. That's pretty cool stuff." And and then I started thinking, "Well, are they gonna like send up a replica Sidewinder or a Cobra Mark III or something? That'd be pretty sweet." Or or maybe he's asking Elon Musk to those next batch of astronauts that he sends up to get some kind of video footage or something so they can do something very scientific with the moon in pr- conjunction with where the earth is or something. Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff, man. I mean, super, super, super interesting. And, and, and yeah. And, and, and literally it was just, uh, it, it it was just, you know, what, a week or two ago? It was not long at all uh, ago that uh, the news came out that uh, that Rocket Man, the, the car, had just uh, reached its closest approach uh, point to Mars. Mm-hmm. And I think it is slingshotting around Mars and coming back sort of in the general direction of Earth. So, yeah, cool shit. Super, super interesting. Now, in, ad- in, in addition to that tweet... 
Frontier released their financial report. There's going to be a copy in the show notes. I've heard it talked about by Obsidian Ant. I've heard it talked about on Live Radio. I've heard it talked about everywhere. Blue Screws, just everybody's talked about it. And everybody keeps hitting the same points. So cash balances are all up. Stock market, darling. You know, I don't really care about that shit. Uh, like, yay for the company. Doing well. Fantastic. Keep it going. Hoorah. But I don't, I feel dirty digging through Frontier's sort of checkbook. Like, it's that's not my thing, man. And it's like, you keep doing your good stuff. That's fine. I care about looking for what's pertinent to Elite Dangerous. Here are, and again, the PDF is going to be in the show notes. It's 88 pages long. And you know, your boy went through all 88 pages of it looking for anything. Here's what I noticed. Number one, in April 2020, Elite crossed the 3.5 million base game mark. So, so sales. It's a lot of sales. Obviously, 2020 has been a record year for Elite Dangerous with regard to total number of you know, whatever, uh, players, concurrent, yada, yada. We had a several month period there just, 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 just post fleet carrier launch that were sort of as high as, as, as elites ever been. And that was awesome. I noticed that they talked about cybersecurity at one point later, it was sort of buried deeper into it. And they talked about challenges and things to deal with. And they specifically called out cybersecurity. And I got a question if that is a oblique reference to the big leak, quote unquote, leak from from what last year, uh, like a year and a half ago now. Was it a leak? Was it a hack? Was it data mine? Who knows? Whatever. But I think data mine not so much because I would require. But I mean, it could be a hack or a leak. But and I, I think it might have been a hack. But whatever. We're moving on. We're we're moving forward. They talk about the revenue for Elite Dangerous Odyssey. Uh, and uh, Arson, you can throw that up on the screen. Everyone's hit on this like, wow, look, they're saying Elite's going to be making money for the next four years, up to 2024. And the fact of the matter is, is some of the big themes that I took from this are a little different than what other people are talking about. Other people are talking about four years of Elite Dangerous making money. Uh, Odyssey making money and I think they sort of missed the big the, to me the headlines to me the headlines are this if you look in the past of fiscal year 15 16 17 18 19 20 elite uh, or sorry frontier was making a big drop a big uh release like every other year and just from fiscal year 19 to 20 they made the move of having sort of a big drop planned every year and then going into fiscal year 21, 22. So the future from now on, and they said this explicitly in their statement, they have plans to make two major releases a year. They are sort of exponentially stepping up their game and, and moving forward. Now, I know that not everything is listed there in the chart. Those things in the charts are just the sort of released IPs or the known whatever. There are several other new I IPs that are coming out. And if you notice, you know, uh, yeah. So so uh, 
Formula One is an annual series that's starting from 2022 to 2025 inclusively. So they're going to have a 2022 Formula One release, a 2023, 2024, 2025. Those are four seasons. After that, there will be talks about renewing and who knows, that could end up however that ends up. But they have it locked for 2022 to 2025 inclusive. There are also other major IP titles, some of which are not even released yet. Uh, 2024 or 2023 into 2024, that fiscal year is going to be the Warhammer drop, but there are other major IPs that they haven't even said the name of yet officially publicly that we'll be hearing more about them. But the one thing that I have not heard anyone say of everyone that's talked about this shit is there were massive sections where Frontier kept hitting on they have a policy with regard to their games and that they, they call that policy uh, uh, release and nurture. So what that means is games as a service, not a lot of people said, well, Odyssey is going to be the big drop. It's going to be a big dump in quarter one, 2021. And then that's it. Who knows? You know, whatever. Nothing else is coming. Odyssey's that. And it's like, no, guys, they're their iteration their games as a service policy that they're hitting at over and over and over in this 88 page thick document is we release it three months later we release a thing for it six months later we release a thing for it 10 months later you know a year later a year and a half later multiple more things coming so i i, I challenge you to look through that read their stated policies and not think that there's going to be because people like you know I, I i've heard it multiple places well that just means money's going to be coming in for four years that doesn't even mean new shit's coming no new shit's coming they have said it they've said it publicly over 88 pages that i've read every line of including really boring financial disclosures really boring let me take a drink all right so that is all of the elite news. Does anybody have anything that they want to hop in with with regard to the the uh, frontier news? Let me go back to the recording booth so I can see. Oh, here we go. Uh, go ahead, uh, uh, Roy. Yeah, it's um, not a huge thing, but I noticed on that chart, and this didn't really occur to me until I was just looking at it now, but. Um, in that chart, we've talked in the past about potential synergies with uh, Jurassic World sure. and, um, you know, having having fauna in, in Elite. Um, it, it occurred to me that the, the other titles that are coming up are dealing with uh, racing, and I'm assuming Warhammer is going to have combat in it to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. th this could be another source of... of uh, uh, ways they could cross-pollinate between games, I think, between, uh, you know, I think we're coming at this thing with FPS in Odyssey from a standpoint of, is it going to be good enough? And I'm wondering if maybe they're looking at having a, you know, a division of FDEV that's ready to crush that type of topic um, in a good way. And, and, and Elite's going to have a little bit, and they're also going to have other titles that are, you know, uh, top shelf for that sort of thing. A hundred percent. And I mean, so you have obvious things that scream out at you of I've got a little dinosaur bobblehead in in my spaceship in Elite Dangerous. That's just stupid easy to do. 
or stupid easy for Jurassic World Evolution 2 or whatever is, oh, look, we've got a, 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 a in the theme park in universe of the Jurassic Park, the roller coaster tycoon, whatever fucking planet zoo. They all have sales. They all have stores and the store could have a, a, a plushie or a teddy bear or a something of a of a, of a Cobra Mark II or whatever. Um, I do want to point out one thing. Uh, you know, guard frequency hasn't really been talking about it. Like I said, Lave didn't talk about it. Loose Screws didn't talk about it. The other podcasts, nobody really talked about that uh, release and nurture uh, sort of uh, model. But my boy Stuart GT on uh, the Reddit threads uh, has been hitting on that point hard, talking about there's going to be four years of updates for Elite. So I want to call that out because uh, people definitely need to be paying attention to what's going on on the uh, Elite subreddit because they, they've got good shit there. And we try to keep an eye on it and keep abreast of it so we can tell you to go check it out. The next thing actually is the Elite Dangerous uh, race news. We just got in literally after we started this show. I got message. I got word from uh, Crank. Uh, uh, sorry, from Black Maze uh, of the Elite Racers. Uh, so go ahead and pull up uh, the image that you have, and let's bring the uh, let's 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 talk about it a little bit. In this in this this was a crazy crazy race. Uh, the, it is in the show notes. It was a short race. Uh, it was a sort of there and back or, or, or sort of whatever. It was short. It was very, very vicious. We had seven DNFs. The, uh, again, Alec Turner had a rough day of it, DNF'd, uh, as, as did many, many other people. Um, the shocker here was that Gurr, who has handily come in first place in every race the two that he had previously participated on came in second to shay blackwood shay getting it done and establishing his dominance and i think shay now pretty much has a close to unassailable lead unless he dnfs this next race i don't see mathematically how he doesn't take the cup so super super cool stuff Sorry, Black Maze. I, I did pass it along to Arson, but it was literally like 10 minutes ago and he didn't have a time to get the, the video uploaded or uploaded or whatever. So uh, hopefully next time we'll have it a little earlier, but it is in the show notes. Everyone, you guys know, you've heard me say over and over how awesome these races are. So get your ass over to the show notes, click on that video and go check it out. Arson, play us out with the audio ad for, for the uh, Elite Race News section. Chassis integrity compromised. Welcome to the Scarab Proving Grounds. Watch your favorite racer compete for victory while they boost their SRV across the planets at speeds of well over 100 meters per second. Tune in to the 8-wheel drive endurance championship broadcast during one of the five remaining races in the championship. Check out the Elite Racers subreddit for more details and a link to their Discord. Absolutely. Check that shit out. All right, next up, Arson, pull up the video. We're going to talk over it. The next thing is the Elite Dangerous HUD mod is in version 1.31. This thing is amazing. I know lots of people who use Dr. Kai's thing or use the other thing where it's like, okay, 
here's my HUD thing. And what you have to do is go into the game config file or whatever the hell. And you change the colors by putting in your numbers. That's what I did back in the day because I really liked it. But this mod is way better because with that, sometimes you have problems where it's like, well, this looks cool, but it fucked up my, you know, landing where it says landing pad 12 or whatever. I can't read it or it fucked up this part on the radar. It messed up this or messed up that. As you can see on the screen, this gives you the ability to just say, OK, just my shield colors. I want to change that or just my ship color in the the what do you call that? The uh, hologram or whatever or just my pips my 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 distributor you can change your pip colors now so with this what you can do is make your shield color one thing you can set it how you like make your pip color another make your uh uh, uh ship hologram color another you can change your internal lights you can dim your internal lights you can change a lot of different key aspects of your hud and you can have them different so if you want to have gold pips you know in your distributor or you want to have you know but gold pips in the distributor but a blue shield and then a red whatever you could do all of that and dim your lights or do however you want and it doesn't interfere with any of the other things other than the one thing that you are picking to change um i think that this is amazing my brand new computer was built today i can't pick it up until tomorrow because they literally called me about a half hour before the show and said yeah you can come pick it up and i was like i don't have time i'm set but tomorrow when i go get my brand new computer and hook it up that hud display changer is going on there for sure anybody uh got any thoughts they want to chime in on this looks sexy to me man I just think that's the feature that's going to make this useful for so many more people. I mean, that's what I know turned me off using the previous versions of, or whether it was other people's, I'm not sure what, but um, the previous one where it, you know, mangles all the other settings for other colors. This, this is what I think is going to. And this make, is the part. Yep. And this is the part where Tweak tells us, God damn it. I want it for console. Tweak, go. <laughs> yep. You're, you're not wrong. All the other times I've always said, I don't really care as much as I'm sick of looking at the orange HUD. I never wanted to change it because I like being able to look down at my radar and say, oh, there's red. Oh, there's purple. And, and I don't really have to think about what I'm seeing. This, however, being able to change individual aspects of your HUD and keep others the same. That's that's right on the money. And oh, my God, I wish I could do this. Absolutely. So the link will be in the show notes to the Reddit page that has the information on it. Go and get it arson what we wanted to add to it uh, i was just gonna say uh maybe in the future build it in yes that would be good if in the future so here's the thing when you have uh, a very good feature like this that is awesome and somebody made a fan-made thing and it's clearly doable and they can show you that it's not you know it's not going to kill you to do it it's 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 doable for one guy it's doable for the sort of largest game studio in all of the United Kingdom, uh, put it in, put it in the base and put it on all platforms so that everybody can enjoy it equally. That would be awesome. All right. So next up, we've got the Matthias video or Matthias. I still, we've had him on and I still, I'm like, ah, the name, uh, Expedition Omphalos Proxy War. Fucking great video. 
we have had it in the show notes to talk about for like two weeks and we kept running out of time and running out of time. I'm not going to say a single word about this video to spoil it, but you have to go check it out. The idea of it, I really like the idea. He's branching out more into like just from sort of, okay, here is a sort of dry, here's the story of this aspect of the, the, the lore of Elite. And now he's getting more into sort of what ifs. What what if this works like this? What if that works like this? And and different things. And, and I dig it 100%. Mattias is one of the absolute best lore creators in all of Elite Dangerous that gets into awesome conspiracies and stuff. And, you know, I, I really just think... If you're not following Mattias, if you're not following uh, uh, Guru951, if you're not following a couple others that have just shown themselves to be top shelf tinfoil hatters, then you're missing out, bro. So we're going to keep nailing on it, though, so that you you go and you click and subscribe on that guy's stuff because it's fucking legit. Next up is Tweak's Tip 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 of the Week. Take it away, Tip. All right, here we go. This tip is more for newer commanders than those of us that have been flying for thousands of hours. Uh, one of the most common things I hear from new recruits coming into OPEX is, yeah, I've had the game for a month. I went mining for a little bit. I made some money. Now I'm working on my federal grind, my imperial grind. I'm, I'm flying the ASP Explorer right now, and I want to get my VAT. I'm here to tell you that is the wrong way to approach Elite Dangerous. The vet is great. The, the cutter is great. What I would say and what I do say to all of my newer guys is mm. you can go buy that vet and then you can A-rate that vet, assuming you have the money for it. And then you can go take that out and fight against some NPCs and you're still going to get your ass kicked. The proper way, in my opinion, and I know it's a grind, is engineering. Focus on your engineering first, one at a time. Work your way up through the ships, and you will find as you work your way through the engineers, it opens up the game in a magical way. Each engineer that you unlock it almost is a, it's almost like a tutorial on how to play the game. Each engineer is a different tutorial. Once you get them all done, then you have total freedom to build your ships any which way you want to do it. I, w I can honestly say engineering, once you get them all unlocked, it changes Elite Dangerous forever for you. It, it it's, creates total freedom. And 100%. then it, the other problem with skipping right to the large ships is those guys that do that and then they get comfortable in their anacondas and their vets and their cutters and they kind of skipped over the the learning ability from flying the vultures flying the vipers flying the crates and the furdies and and the small and the medium ships you you learn a defensive flight pattern when you do combat and different things in those ships that you don't learn when you go right to a large and people find it very difficult to go backwards once you well, get into the large they find it very hard to go into the smaller ships 100 percent. also not for nothing but just from a completely selfish standpoint cutters suck vets <laughs> suck anacondas suck 
engineered cutters, vets, and anacondas are fucking amazing. So exactly. do it right. Do it right. Do it right and get your money's worth. Because buying a big hull is expensive. If you're going to buy a big, expensive car, if you're going to buy a Ferrari, don't buy a used one that's been shot to shit. Get one that's tuned up and ready to rock it. If you're going to spend money on a Ferrari, get your money's worth. All right. That, that's exactly right. And, and the other thing that people don't realize is when they jump right into a vet and they're flying that A-rated vet around without any un- engineering, that's an expensive rebuy to eat when you are fairly new to the game. 100%. So I, I really just say go with the smaller ships, work your way, enjoy the grind. It, it will make your game experience a much richer experience. And, and with the engineers, just one last quick thing. A lot of people start grinding the engineers so hard that they get burnt out and they've got to take a long break from the game. I contend set yourself a goal. Open up two engineers a month or something like that. And before you know it, you'll have all the bubble engineers opened up and free to use. And I promise you, Elite Dangerous will become much easier once you do that. And also, once you have that engineering unlocked and put on your ships, if you are afraid of flying and open, I guarantee you, you won't be anymore. All right. So next up, we've got real life science. Let's start off with last week. We had a really cool segment where Roy showed you how what the math Anton Petrov showed him how he can find his own planets. This is not in game. This is real fucking life. Roy went out there followed the instructions, and found some exoplanets. Roy, why don't you tell us the follow-up that you did with regard to that and some stuff you did where you brought it into game in an amazing way. Yeah, so I wanted to try it out, and it looked, uh, the way he explained it, it looked pretty straightforward and and, uh, didn't require, you know, super heavy-duty programming knowledge. He teaches you a few lines of Python that are easy to kind of copy-paste and then change it as you need them. So I spent uh, spent a couple hours going through his tutorial, and um, you know it worked. Lo and behold, I I was able to um, pick out some some different ranges of types of stars and dis- dis- different distances, and um, was able to come up with some graphs and stuff that uh, looked promising. Um, and then I thought, well, you know, wouldn't it be cool if some of these that that are in the real life database um, also uh could be found in elite and and what would that mean you know could could there be some correlation i thought that'd be cool to check it out so um arson when you get a chance if you want to bring up some of those images we can walk through uh some of uh it looks like you're fighting an interdiction there so maybe we'll have to wait a second uh oh there it is so um what one of the things that was cool about this is some of the expeditions i've been on um if you're trying to find Earth-like worlds, there's lots of different techniques for what stars to look for and all kinds of um, little tips and tricks about what you might need to be close to and so forth. And so I looked for some of those same things in this uh, website, uh, MAST. It's the it's the database uh, from which you can download this real-life data. So I put in some parameters, um, and one that in particular that was important was... I don't know if you've noticed, but when you're in the galaxy map, um, sometimes you'll see secondary references for stars other than the main name, 
that it's called in the galaxy map. And one of those is uh, HIPP, or sometimes it's just HIP. And that's a catalog in real life that astronomers have used to, you know, categorize a bunch of different stars. And there's multiple catalogs. But the HIP one is one that I found that was common between this real life mast sites database and elite. So I picked a region of space, uh, picked some ranges of stars. I think it was from uh, uh, K type, uh, K and uh, F, G and A. Uh, and I was looking for something that was within, you know, uh, several hundred to a couple thousand light years of, uh, of Earth uh, to make it, you know, checkable. I, I didn't want to make a, you know, 200,000 light year trip. I wanted to uh, try something small and see how it worked. So anyway, went through the database, downloaded some that matched up in both Elite and uh, and this database, and then ran them through what, uh, what Anton uh, showed on his video. And... Um, there's a couple uh, pictures here, Arson, showing some of these uh, these uh, waveforms, and I can just step through quick what this is. It's uh, basically starts out with a picture of the star, and then that's a bunch of stacked images that then turn into a light curve, which is basically just a graph. It's kind of a noisy-looking thing, and then he steps you through some simple commands that uh, smooth this out and help get rid of different kinds of noise. Um, and, and that one that's up there now shows you can find the peaks of, you know, if there's a signal, uh, what would be the orbital period of whatever you think you might find. So then you can know, well, I'm in this case, I'm looking for something that's uh, 4.39 days, excuse me, long orbit. Um, and then when you, you fold that back into the data with another command, um, out, pops, out pops a signal. And I had this come up. I went through probably... I want to say 40 or 50 of these. Uh, each one took, you know, a couple, three minutes once I got a, a template set up, not hard to do. And uh, I went, and there's one circled there where I found this dip. That's, you know, potentially a, a body orbiting that star. That's what that signal means. And so I, I came up with uh, five of these where they correlated to places in the galaxy map where the same, you know, uh, HIP number matched set out a course. It was basically north towards the center uh, of the galaxy, um, not directly the center, more like straight north is how it turned out, um, and, and started flying towards them. And uh, lo and behold, one of the one of the first ones I checked, uh, turns out it had uh, an Earth-like world, two, two, uh, an Earth-like world, a water world, and four terraformable high metal content worlds. Um, another one I found had uh, a terraformable high metal content world and several of the bodies were covered in biologicals. Um, another one had a water world and two high metal content worlds. I was also looking at, uh, you know, if, if by chance some of the things in these systems had the same orbital period as what was in the real life data. A couple of them were actually kind of close. Um, the one, uh, it's HIP 91840 in the test data, I, I think I found something that was like 0.5 days and in real life or sorry in, in the real life data in in elite dangerous there's a body that's like 0.9 days um for uh the 90730 in the real life data it had an 11 day period in the elite there was a body at 9.1 days and another one at 14.6 so i'm you know look this test data came out um 
after Elite was written, after the, the Stellar Forge did its thing. So I'd be shocked if there was a one-to-one correlation between these things. But I did think it was curious that of the five um, of the the ones that I checked, actually on this list included one I'd done earlier, so six, um, five of them five of them had bodies around them. Only one of them was just the star. So it was pretty good, pretty good hit rate. Now, look, this is, I'm not suggesting that this is a way to, you know, more, more, more readily find Earth-like worlds or terraformable uh, high metal content worlds. In my mind, this is just like a fun thing to do where it sort of, um, you know, some of us, I think, create little adventures in the game. I call that headcanon. And this is a way to do something in real life that matches up with the science. And then you can overlay it because of the fidelity of the Stellar Forge and the galaxy map. You can overlay it and actually go fly to these places. And it's I had a blast. It, it was something that just added another level of sort of cool immersion and looking forward to like, what am I going to find? And, and uh, yeah, so I really enjoyed this. I'd highly recommend it. Um, I also, just as a side note, had a chance to try out ED Scout. I was also running the Canon EDMC plugin. That was super helpful when I found those biologicals. Um, so just a, I, I felt it really enriched the the exploration for me in being able to do this. So that was that. All right, fantastic. I I I just think this is so cool. I recommend to everyone go check out our last week's show. It's time stamped, and you can click right on the real uh, life science section where uh you know um uh, what do you call it uh anton's video anton yeah what the math what the math mm -hmm. is the name of the channel anton petrov is the guy you can click on that video there's a link to it you can follow those directions too uh roy's a smart guy but you know i'm sure you're smart too you can do it um and uh and then yeah i i, I challenge everybody man go out there Find some real planets and 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 report it in so that you know scientists know about it and they can add it to the catalog and then go find that shit in Elite if it, it, you know if you can or or go out there and say well you know I didn't find that but I found this instead like it is not a replica of the galaxy and it can't be because there's so much of the galaxy we don't know about that's literally the point of this project is you're finding the answers so how awesome is that it, you know it's a recreation of and and go out there and see like wow it said over here there was going to be a high metal contact content world but i ended up finding a water world all right cool as well one cool from you actually found something for realsies and helped to expand the base of human knowledge but also you had some fucking fun in the game good shit i dig that and i i strong i would love to see there are so many really, really smart content creators out there. Guys like Down to Earth Astronomy, who I fucking love. Guys like Mal for the Win, who I fucking love. Who I would see, I could see Down to Earth or Mal for the Win, especially doing an awesome stream where, you know, they spend an hour or two doing this and find stuff and like, okay, guys, we did a stream today and we found three new planets for that we can add to the official knowledge base of the Earth. That's fucking awesome. All right, so moving on to the next item is the moon is a door to forever. Now, we don't normally do this. We normally just say, hey, go watch this video. I'm going to say, and I told Arson, we're going to play this fucking video. And it's like, you know, whatever. It's 10, 12 minutes long, but it's fucking amazing. I dare you to watch this movie or this, this video and not be fucking inspired. Arson, cue it up.
In July 1969, you're probably an ex-test pilot with a Boy Scout badge for spitting in the face of death, and on that day, you find yourself at Kennedy Space Center, wearing a spacesuit and about to board a strange machine. The machine is called the Saturn V rocket and is about three blue whales high, weighs about as much as 35 737s, and very shortly, a million liters of liquid oxygen are going to mix with 700,000 liters of kerosene, and the machine is going to go brrrr and quite possibly kill you dead. So you hop in with your two other mates, strap up, and try to ignore the fact that you're about to ride the explosive equivalent of 400 tons of TNT up into the sky on the back of seven and a half million pounds of thrust. And sure enough, a system of valves open below you, mixing the liquid oxygen and kerosene, and are ignited. The cabin rocks left to right with the guidance computer gimballing the five gigantic F1 engines 300 feet below you, desperately trying to stop you smashing into the launch tower. You are squashed back into your seat four times your normal weight. By 9.35am, you're 42 miles high, riding 5% of America's federal budget into the morning sky. By 9.44am, the first two stages of the rocket are jettisoned, and you're 118 miles high. By 12.22pm, you're in orbit, going at 24,000 miles an hour, or if you prefer, speeding around the Earth at about 17 times faster than a bullet. By 12.49, you get the word you'll go for translunar injection, a few minutes of engine burn later, and you're now headed out of Earth orbit. You blow the bolts, connecting the two sections of your rocket ship, separating your module from the lunar module, spin them around, and dock again. The Earth begins to recede behind you. By 2.45pm, you're now riding 26 tons of food, instruments, and science at about 25,000 miles an hour. You are the commander of Apollo 11, and while two NASA missions have orbited the moon already, yours will now attempt to be the first to land and stand on that alien world. Fun fact, peeing in zero gravity is a nightmare. To counteract this, since all Apollo astronauts were men, engineers developed a system whereby one would urinate into a condom attached to a hose. The condom sizes came in small, medium, and large. Legend has it that some astronauts were choosing the large size based on pride, and some were making a mess because it wasn't the right size. Allegedly, NASA opted to rename the sizes extra large, immense, and unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, space exploration. Anyway, what is this big white thing you're flying towards? Where did it come from? Well, no one knows for sure yet. The leading theory is that about 4 billion years ago, something about the size of Mars, a planet we've called Theia, hit the Earth, and bits of the Earth came off and eventually collected together into old Moonface McGee herself. She's about 81 times lighter than the Earth, about a third the diameter, bigger than Pluto by the way, but most things are, and her gravity is around 1 sixth hours. It takes the Moon 27 days to orbit us properly, but it also takes the moon 27 days to turn once on her axis, which means we only ever see one side of the moon. The reason the moon looks different to us through the month is her position relative to the sun. As she swings around us, she's either between us and the sun, called new moon, waxes into the first quarter, then full, wanes into third quarter, and back to new and moons in our solar system aren't unique at all. Mars has two, Neptune has 14, Saturn has 82. But we are the only planet in our solar system with one moon, weirdly, and she is by far the largest relative to her planet. No good explanation for any of that yet, but boy are we glad she's here. She kindly regulates the tides and stops us wobbling on our axis. All in all, very pretty, very mysterious, and would you look at that, you're almost there. Well, about 33,000 miles away, but you've entered the moon's sphere of influence. That means the moon has more gravitational power over you than the Earth does. Shoes off, best behavior please. You're in her house now. Out the window and below is a barren expanse, a visual history of great violence. Craters where comets hit, some as wide as 175 kilometers in diameter. 
One astronaut stays in the command module while you and your colleague transfer to the lunar module. And before you know it, you're separated and descending to the surface. Ancient and dead volcanoes have covered the moon in 23 of what our ancestors mistook for Maria, Latin for seas as we still call them today. The Sea of Crises, the Eastern Sea, and there, our destination, the Sea of Tranquility. But you're traveling too fast for some reason and overshooting the landing spot. Still, you've come all this way and you'll be damned if you quit here. 6,000 feet above now, alarms go off. 12.01 and 12.02. No one back on Earth is sure what that even means, but they advise you to carry on with the descent. Beside you, your co-pilot calls out the altitude. You're now coming down on the southwestern edge of the Sea of Tranquility. But there are boulders the size of trucks everywhere. No sign of flat. You can't land here. You take over manual control, desperately looking for a smooth area to set down, the biometric sensors reading your heart rate at 156 beats per minute. 700 feet, 400 feet, fuel is dribbling away. If you can't find a safe spot, you have to abort the entire mission. 150 feet, 75 dropping still, then a dust cloud kicks up beneath you, 5 feet, 2, 1 and a half, 1, and your co-pilot calls contact light, and with a jolt and only 15 seconds of fuel left, you're down. And you say... Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. The schedule calls for the two of you to sleep, but you're the first humans to visit the moon for God's sake. During this time, your co-pilot takes Holy Communion, though does it on the quiet. NASA is currently engaged in a lawsuit with an atheist who had objections to a previous mission orbiting the moon and reading from the Bible as it did so. Then, at 2.39am, you open the hatch and slowly descend the ladder. You pull a lever, activating the camera already on the outside of the lunar module to witness what is about to come next. You reach the bottom of the ladder, still standing on the leg now. You observe the surface of the moon is granular, almost like powder. You uncover a plaque on the lunar module saying, Here, men from the planet Earth first set foot upon the moon. July 1969, Anno Domini. We came in peace for all mankind. Tentatively, you step back with your left foot onto the first celestial body humankind has ever visited. And having been allowed to choose those first words on a new world, you say, That's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Which will later be misquoted repeatedly without the indefinite article as one small step for man, which makes no sense if you think about it, because that would mean one small step for humanity, one giant leap for humanity. But whatever, you're on the moon. Your colleague exits the lunar module, pausing on the ladder a few moments to become the first human ever to urinate while outside on the moon, then joins you on the surface. You erect a United States flag and accept a call directly from your then-president, Richard Nixon. The two of you experiment with transport methods, including kangaroo hops, you set up scientific equipment, you take photos, collect ground samples, but this picnic runs on oxygen. So, two and a half hours later, after setting foot down here, the two of you climb the ladder again and return to the lunar module and attempt to sleep. You sleep, not very well, but a little. It's time now to go home. You're both relying on a single ascent engine that can only be fired once, meaning one chance to leave. Your colleague has somehow damaged the circuit breaker for the engine in the course of moving about. You jam a felt-tip pen in there, hoping that, hoping, your third colleague will be flying overhead shortly, waiting to rendezvous if all goes well. 
The ascent engine is fired, everything goes fine. At one-sixth Earth's gravity, making it into orbit is a doddle. Your colleague catches you in orbit perfectly, and you're reunited. A burn to leave lunar orbit, and you're on your way. Back home to praise and awards, and another Boy Scout badge for not only spitting in the face of death, but kicking him right in the disco stick too. And curiously, several hours later, on the television sets of the world, people, American and non-American, will say, we did it. We did it. As if that plaque left on the surface rings true already, we came in peace for all mankind. And during your three-day journey back to Earth, perhaps you'll wonder when we'll come back to the moon. In four months, actually. Then five months later, but that doesn't go so well. Nine months later, that time goes fine. Six months later, nine months, and then the last mission, eight months later. And as much as it might surprise you to hear, for the next half century, humans will never leave Earth orbit again. Oh, there'll be shuttles and space stations, horrific disasters, collaboration, but all from the tether of Earth's gravity. For us in the future, though, things might finally be about to change. Firstly, NASA have committed themselves to returning to the moon with humans by 2024 as of today, and they've been busy bees designing the space launch system to launch in 2021. It could get us back to the moon easy. But now we have commercial projects taking off. SpaceX, Blue Origin, Boeing, all of them vying to get us back on the lunar surface. Things are occurring. Obviously, going back to the moon for science is attractive, but science probably won't be enough to keep us there because cha-ching-ching, -ching, etc. There are plenty of resources for mining on the moon. Gold, platinum, yada yada, and rather more unique, helium-3, an isotope useful for nuclear fusion. But the real dog's gonads to go back for is more spacing. The moon would be a perfect base of operations for ah, serving as a practice ground for learning how to live in hostile places for when we go to certain other planets soon, which we will, and buh, fueling up and maintaining vehicles leaving Earth on their way beyond to other spots in the solar system when we go, which we will. Also, we could build mass drivers to shoot objects elsewhere with no need for propellant, establish farms, schools, administration, Buzz Aldrin took a wee on the moon first day, whatever, but a beginning, a point of departure to the rest of the solar system. And one day, long from now, but one day, beyond the solar system too, perhaps. If this is what you wake up to every morning, if this is the view from your lunar window, how would you feel about our petty squabbles back on Earth? No astronaut has ever returned from space and said, Yeah, the universe was alright. Not as good as a nice fight though, eh? Come here, you little Almost all of them came back more placid, more prudent, and more inclined to see our planet as the fragile marble that it is. And as those lunar humans would look down on our fragile condition, we'd look up at them every night. And it would be a constant reminder not only of the power of human endeavour, but that we're out in the universe now. And surely that would change all of us down here. And if we're very lucky, maybe even change us for the better. 50 years later, we're still living in the shadow of the Apollo program, when hundreds of thousands of men and women came together, spent a titanic amount of money, utilized an ungodly amount of brain power to achieve something that was, by any estimation, impossible. And they did it. Some days it feels like we've forgotten how to do this, to dream crazy big together, to reach for something together, to look out beyond bickering and this my team, your team rubbish. There's an infinite playground just waiting out there for us to explore as brothers and sisters. Obviously, the Apollo program came directly out of competition between the US and the Soviet Union. It's not like the US went to the moon just because they fancied a nice view. But the solidarity inside the Apollo program and the directed attention of the American citizenry towards space was like nothing we've ever seen before. 
Many of you watching this, and me, we weren't alive to see the moon landings. We didn't grow up with a single event in media that was a human project, on behalf of the entire species. How will we feel when we see that first man or woman putting that first boot down on the red sands of Mars? I for one will be crying my eyes out. Just happy I got to live long enough to see my species at the beginning of leaving its cradle and finally learning to walk. And then we will learn to run to the orbits of Venus, Titan, Ganymede, wherever we feel like, because that is us. Because audacity is what we do, sometimes violently, sometimes misguidedly, but sometimes, every now and then, in solidarity, together. And for the love of reaching one mountain peak, just to look to the next. In our solar system, waiting for us, there are seven new mountains, with seven new sunrises and seven new sets of secrets. And if that doesn't unify us, Christ, nothing will. And it will all start with the moon, our home away from home, as the springboard into the multiplanetary age of the human being. We choose to go back to the moon and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are cool. To follow our evolutionary imperative, as it began with our emergence from the oceans and our many perilous diasporas across this great blue-green spaceship. We've been on six dates together, Moon. Sorry we ghosted you, we've been going through some stuff. But we've changed, Moon. No more long distance, oh no. Let's get it together properly. We're sliding back into DMs, baby. How about it? Let's settle down together and raise a solar civilization, eh? These are precarious times. So too were they precarious half a century ago when those first explorers set off for space. If we can hold it together, this might be just the beginning of the beginning for our species. Because we are currently audacity monkeys, but we could be forever monkeys if we wanted to. And the moon is clearly our door into that forever. Fucking amen. God damn it. Look, if you guys just do one thing this week from this show, don't even promote Elite Week, all right? Go promote that guy's channel. It's his, his, his channel name, and I typed it in the notes, but I want to say it here for everybody. His channel name, and it's in the show notes, is EXURB1A. No spaces. So Exurbia, but with Elite Speak, with there's a one instead of the I. That shit is fucking amazing. It's fire. You gotta go check that shit out. Super, super good stuff. Um, little known fact, alright? A couple little known facts. Number one, Russians are super, as a group, and I know this is probably bad to, you know, whatever say, but don't, don't, come on, let's all fucking relax. We're drinking here. We're talking like men. Russians are super hella fucking uh, uh uh not coincidence what's uh, not suspicious what's the the rabbit's foot and uh, superstitious 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 russians are super fucking superstitious so <clears throat> there's a couple of uh of uh, uh, uh traditions that started way back in the program all the way back i think with yuri gregarian one of them i know uh so at baikonur at the cosmodrome where they go to launch they stay at the Cosmonaut Hotel in Baikonur. And it's a tradition that you wake up in the morning first thing and you sign the door of the hotel room that you stayed in there. So if you're going on the International Space Station, as as uh, Kate did uh, just, just this last week, <clears throat> she stayed at the hotel and they keep you there sort of on lockdown to keep you separated from everyone so you don't catch the flu or COVID or whatever. They keep you there for a while and you you're 
sort of locked in a separate wing of the hotel away from everybody. There's only a handful of people that are allowed near you that are all super, super carefully screened. And you spend like your last like two weeks locked away in that hotel, just undergoing testing and having some time to like last minute prep and go over things and go over things. And then the morning of you come out, you sign your hotel room door and you see the signatures of all the other astronauts that have stayed in your room and uh and you date it and then you go on the bus <clears throat> and the bus there's a bunch of cameras and people but they're kept far away and they take pictures of you it's press whatever but they keep them far away you get on the bus now this is a tradition that started by accident with yuri yuri gregarin when yuri gregarin was going up on sputnik morning of he goes up he's going to be the first man going in space he's on the bus ride out uh, on the way to the tarmac where they you know they have the rocket set up and he's got to pee and so he gets out of the bus and he goes to the back facing away from everyone so nobody no press nobody can see him and he takes a piss on the wheel of the bus that drives you out there his you know launch goes incredibly well whatever and the story becomes a tradition and now it is considered bad luck to not piss on the wheel of the bus so all of the astronauts that go up they they stop they pull they walk to the other side and 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 the 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 russian space agency keeps it to where there's no cameras on that side because they all take a leak including the women astronauts are supposed to take a leak on the wheel of the bus now uh sort of physiologically that's hard to do so what literally what they do the women uh take a vial of their pee and they pour it on the wheel of the bus for good luck it's so fucking weird but you know it's a, it's an astronaut tradition it's what you do uh the that's americans awesome. in nasa so the russians you pee on the wheel of the bus that takes you out there and they keep it like a secret but it's known by people who know the americans have a similar tradition not involving pee but the americans have a tradition in the the morning of the launch like early you get up and the crew you all play poker and you have to keep playing poker until the commander of the mission loses a hand however many hands if it's the first hand and he loses that's fine but you have to keep playing poker until and, and you can't throw it otherwise it doesn't count you have to legitimately the commander has to be trying to win and lose a hand and then they say okay he's used up his bad luck for the day and then they fly off <laughs> um super super beautiful that video is amazing and i want to give all of the love and credit to exerbia the creator uh and share that everywhere post it in discords share it with your friends they don't have to be elite dangerous players to see that video and go holy fuck, we're on the cusp of something great we are the audacity monkeys that can make the move into being forever monkeys so um yeah share that um roy what do you think of that video, man? <clears throat> Got a little dusty in here. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Holy cow. Uh, moving. Absolutely moving. Right on. Tweet. Yeah, very moving. Uh, very much mirroring everything I've always thought about the space program, how amazing it was, the things that we accomplished then, and how sad it was that we stopped trying to accomplish them for so long. Mm -hmm. Great to see that we are starting to go back in the direction of doing some amazing things. And on one side note, one little two-second blurb in that video, 
he said something about a mass something or another where you don't even need propulsion or something. If I remember correctly, they call that. Yeah. yeah, If if I remember correctly, they call that mass effect. Are we kidding? (laughs) (laughs) And I love, I love the one it's a throwaway line, but I love it by, you know, like by 1044 in the morning, you're this, this high up, in the atmosphere, writing on 5% of the national budget. <laughs> that was so great. That was so great. Arson, your thoughts? I thought it was fantastic. It's just one of those things. Take the message. The world is uh, precious. Let's get out there. Let's let's become those uh, immortal space-exploring monkeys, audacity monkeys, oh, yeah. and, uh, you know, get at it. We can... I'm looking at you, Moon. I know we've been distant, but we're going to make it up. We're sliding in them DMs, baby. All right. Next up in the news, science news. Well, in this case, Expanse news. Amazon has the pre-order up for Ships of the Expanse. It's a $30 book. It's the RPG game, the MMO or the, the RPG, the tabletop game that they have. But it has full schematics for every ship in the Expanse. And for an additional $5, you can get the schematics in a PDF for every ship in the Expanse. Somebody get that and start sending me PDFs of these schematics. <laughs> also, the Expanse released wallpaper backgrounds for Zoom calls or whatever today for all the different Expanse stuff. So if you're stuck at work doing your Zoom calls or whatever, you could be on the bridge of the Rosinante or you could be on Illis or you could be, you know, uh, whatever, on the Doniger. Cool shit. Go get it if you want it. Next up, we've got Roy Stories. Mac Winston, part three. Bring it on. Next up in our Inara reading series is Commander Mac Winston with his Captain's Log. We pick up his story on March 4th, 3302, titled The Smell of Failure. 10 kilometers from Cerebrov Station, Yakabugai. Checkmate, Cal said with a look of satisfaction. I looked at the chessboard in disbelief. Damn, the third game in a row. Would I ever beat him? We were sitting just out of sensor range of the Orbis station, with our ship as silent could be, watching, biding our time. Our breath condensed on the cold air. Most of the William F. McCoy systems shut down and silent so as not to be seen. Our plan was simple. Wait until a trade wing arrived and occupied the local police patrols and their inevitable ship scans, then slip by, unseen, unscanned. Somehow, though, we had chosen a moment when nothing more than the odd, irregular arrival was happening. We'd been here two hours already, and the ship was beginning to get very cold. Cal had challenged me to a best-of-five chess match while we waited. I always agreed to these matches. I have no idea why. I would always lose 3 nothing every time. Hey, don't get too down about it. You've improved quite a lot. There are one or two dicey moments for me, he said unconvincingly. Yeah, you keep saying... No, really, you've got a lot better. You've just got to listen to your calculating imperial side a bit more and a bit less to your impulsive fecton side. I looked up at Cal. You would say that, I replied with just a hint of a smile. Goes for business, too. I mean, you'd have just taken that half mil payment to run this mission. Yeah, sure, it's decent money. 750k is better, though, Cal replied. Well, yeah, but I don't know anything about those fish, so you have me at a disadvantage. How do you know so much about them anyway? Cal leaned back in his seat expansively and shrugged. I have no idea about those fish. Never heard of them until your friends showed them to us. Cal replied with a satisfied smile. Not a bloody clue. 
Didn't even know Beta Hydra's Earth-like was even called Homeworld. What? I was bluffing. Those guys were so easy to read. It was obvious they just looked them up, seen them were valuable, found a buyer pronto and wanted to ship them before they became a nuisance. So I bluffed. That's what your Imperial side can do for you. You sly weasel. I love you, Cal Vasquez, I said in wonder. How? But then the ship's sensors cut me off before I could continue. Two large trading wings had just dropped in near the station. No less than four anacondas plus some escorts. Get her warmed up. We're going to follow these boys in, I said, repositioning my seat ready for flight. We raced over our respective controls, getting the William F. McCoy systems back online, and before the drives could even fully initialize, I had our ship on a long straight in for Serebrov Station's docking port, following the traders. Federal Customs and Excise, Serebrov Station. Customs Chief Stanley Richardson was having a very bad week. The Habring police had busted two onionhead dealers just in the last two days and questions were being asked. How were the smugglers getting into the station? How were they succeeding in getting their product out? What was Customs and Excise actually doing? In fact, Customs Chief Stanley Richardson was determined to bust someone. It didn't matter who or what for. Before lunchtime, if possible. He looked out from the control room. Four anacondas slipped through the docking port, one after another in procession. Then their escorts. He checked the scan logs. Just another delivery of minerals. Uh, it had been very quiet for the first two hours of his duty roster. And now when something big arrives, it's just yet another thousand tons of bauxite. Then, gliding in majestically behind them, an Imperial Clipper, its hull painted as black as space, as black as... Wait. Richardson looked at the scan log. No scan? How had those incompetents missed the Clipper? Oh, once again, finances meant only three on duty. They'd probably been busy with the Anacondas and their escorts, and failed to see a black Clipper gliding along behind them. On a whim, and expecting nothing much, he decided to check out the Clipper's ship registry entry. Ship name, William Frederick McCoy. Vessel commander, Mac Winston. Associated with, East India Company. Registered port, Harvest Port, Capafornassus. Wait a cotton picking minute. Harvest Port, Capafornassus? Onion head. That's where the stuff comes from. A black clipper arriving without a scan? If that's not an onion head smuggler, I'm a monkey's uncle, he thought to himself. Richardson's day had started to look up, and he broke into a wide grin. He opened a comm channel to the ops office. Simmons, came the reply, as the gnarly face of customs officer Walt Simmons appeared. I want you to assemble an inspection team immediately and search that Imperial Clipper that just arrived. Here's the details. Tell Control they are not to leave. And by the way, I will head up the inspection team personally. We're going to go over every damn millimeter of that ship. Yes, sir, Simmons replied, his image disappearing from Richardson's comm. Richardson quickly looked up the name William Frederick McCoy to see if that had any meaning. The ship was named after a rum runner from Old Earth. I got you, you little bugger. You won't get away this time, he hissed to the empty room, triumphantly striding out to nail the smuggler that was making his life so difficult. This was going to be so good. He could already see himself triumphantly discovering the crates of Onionhead and frog-marching the ship's crew off to the cells. 
Sadly for Customs Chief Stanley Richardson, he would not find out until lunchtime that while he was personally inspecting the clipper, the unassuming hauler on the adjacent pad was, without fuss, unloading the next shipment of onion head almost right under his nose, and his week would then be well and truly ruined. Good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like shit's gonna end up badly for Mac in this story. <sighs> we'll have to see uh, what happens next. And meanwhile, he's after Onion Head. He gets fish. And Onion Head gets away. Gotta love that shit. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, Roy, is I assume we're getting more of the Mac Winston, or are we hopping around and we're going to make you wait to see how that plays? Yeah, actually, I was thinking of maybe switching back to see what's happening with Yunisaka uh, Shiro uh, next week. So long as you promise, so long as you promise me, we're going to get back to Mac because I want to hear how this plays. But yeah, yeah, we'll get back to Mac. We'll get back hey, to Mac. You're in charge, man. This is your section. You do, you do, you. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, next up, Arson, you had some information uh, or a question or a little investigation you did about a Salome imposter. Yeah. So uh, Commander Leonard Krast on the Elite Week Discord uh, had a run-in in the Witchhead Nebula uh, at the local space station with a Commander Salome and saying, it, oh, it's a ghost and uh, whatnot. So I'm going to go ahead and show a little bit of a picture. Now, the suspicion right now is that this is a fake and in this shot you have a side-by-side -side comparison of uh the salome that was spotted uh to or rather yesterday and then you have on the right a photograph of alicia verde now both salome and alicia verde are related characters um and they're both owned by drew wager now what's interesting is the real Salome account does not have a space at the end of the name. So whoever this is may be an imposter. It might not be an imposter. We don't know because so far we have not figured out a way to actually create a name. We are still testing. So if you want to partake in that, uh, hit up the Elite Week Tinfoil Ops channel on Discord. But we're trying to see if we can replicate creating a character with that blank space at the end of the name because if we can't that might be something owned by frontier but if we can that might be something owned by a player we don't know and the original screenshot from when harry potter killed salome shows salome's name in game from the time of the kill in chat not having a space so tinfoil this up we don't know for sure whether it's fake or real this uh salome character is referring to being a ghost and well, we're investigating I, I think so i think what your picture right there shows is we clearly know that it's not the same account that was killed by harry potter because that account doesn't have that space after the whatever what we don't know is is it possible that what we're seeing with the Salome with the space is run by Drew Wagar or is run by somebody officially or whatever that is in on the thing and they're whatever. I, I tend to think, me personally, 
I don't buy it. I think um, I, 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 I think uh, what we're seeing here is somebody that's hoaxing. Uh, we saw a similar thing earlier in the week, and I'm not going to give the guy a whole lot of play or headline space or spotlight, but <clears throat> basically somebody created a hoax Twitter account that was elite dangerous, but the way they did it was they put E and then capital letter I, and capital letter I looks exactly like lowercase l. So they did E-I-I-T-E dangerous and tweeted a hoax picture thing, whatever. That Twitter account and the tweet itself were both deleted within a couple of hours. They were removed. I think what you're seeing here is a similar situation of somebody <clears throat> trying to be clever, trying to be whatever, and doing a thing. But that's just my thought. Maybe other people have different thoughts, but <clears throat> I think kind of that's what we're seeing. I mean, the, the chances are very strongly weighted towards that. That's what we're seeing. Um, Roy, your thoughts? Is there, I, I didn't, I was paying attention to the name and the space thing, but was there anything interesting in what they were trying to say? Uh, you mentioned you didn't want to give too much highlight to it if it's a hoax, but was there anything interesting or actionable or testable? Not really, unfortunately. Um, and the real Salome account uh, hasn't been online in uh, over two months. Interestingly, it was online two months ago. That could mean many different things, including just a check for the friends list to get a name. But uh, yeah, no, there was there was nothing really special there. The characters chat did follow uh, some of the standard formatting of how Drew Wagar was speaking on the Alicia Verde character. Uh, but that was really about it. I, I strongly suspect, to be honest, that it's a fake. It might be a roleplay opportunity. This commander was spotted both clean and in a diamondback. So if you spot them, probably not too much of a threat, maybe. But, uh, you know, worst you get killed, uh, best you get a little roleplay experience from somebody wanting to uh, imposter Salome. Tweak, your thoughts? Well, my question would be, has anybody actually got a scan on the ship is it an npc is it a commander is it a you know a hollow on the radar it's definitely a a a not an npc it's definitely a player character because they're they're typing in chat back and forth which which lends even more well i mean npcs talk in chat all the time too just no 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 in response so yeah they're doing they're doing call and response people are saying hey what about this and they're they're making i, I agree with arson i think what you're talking about here is somebody who looked at all of the previous uh pictures of right alicia verity's response and they're sort of mimicking sort of phrases almost word for word line for line of, right oh, you gotta keep working we gotta keep turning that wheel and it's like okay but it's definitely not an npc because an npc if you say hey man what are you doing here they're not gonna give you a meaningful response it's a player but, but my question with that is i mean if you can get a scan on it and see that it's if it's a player you'll see a hollow on your radar if it's an npc doing this that makes me wonder if it's not a salome whether it's not an fdev it's a derivative or it's some kind of a play on an upcoming so, storyline or something. I can. Back in the day came up as a hollow square. 
Yeah, I can confirm that Littercrafts provided me his actual commander's journal because I wanted to see if I could find the special character, thinking it was an ASCII code that was entered at the end of the name to create the space so that we could replicate that in a test to see if we could create that kind of account ourselves while I was working with uh, Micha Maverick on the tests. And unfortunately, in the journal, number one, it does report as an actual commander, which is how I knew that it was a Diamondback scout and that they were clean. Uh, because this happened, I believe, while Lennercrafts was docked, so uh, Leonard wouldn't have been able to see the radar and the hollow squares and things like that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's something that we so far have been unable to replicate with other clean names on fresh accounts. Uh, so it's, it's just one of those interesting oddities, and I think that this person might uh, be attempting to make some waves in the roleplay scene, and I figured we might want to report on it first. Right on. Right on. So it is what it is. It's unknown yet. We'll see as this progresses. We'll bring you further news, but we're not going to dive too deep into the thing if it's just somebody role-playing whatever. It's like, okay, that's your thing, and that's fun, and people can engage if they want, but it's not official, and we're not going to give it a lot of air. Um, <clears throat> on to discussion topics. The first discussion topic we already covered, which is the whole idea of weighted narrative. We covered it back earlier when we were talking about the CG from, you know, so it's two weeks ago, there was the Liz Rider one where the, it was pretty much equal on the sides, but you give a big shiny toy to people on Liz Rider's side. It's very obvious that Frontier is funneling people towards that direction. Last week's no big toy on either side, but it's weighted such that Team A has to do twice as much work as Team B to win. Obviously, again, weighted. I want to hear from people on their thoughts on this as a sort of uh, discussion topic. Um, and we're going to move on to the second uh, discussion topic, which is our meaty one of the night, which is this. <laughs> the evolution of power play. Now... You know, okay, what can Frontier do to fix power play? For sure, it's a given. Fix that cargo pickup thing where you have to sit there and click through, click, 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 pick up 10. Click, 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 pick up 10. For sure, fix that. Now, in fairness to them, in the last six months, they have stealth streamlined it. They made it where it used to take like six to eight clicks to pick up 10. Now it takes three clicks to pick up 10. Still obnoxious. Let me just pick up 750 tons right now and then hit me with the bill. Hey, are you sure you want to? It's going to be this much. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Give it to me. But they made it some better. And I want to acknowledge that. <clears throat> In addition to that, you know, like I said, just just charge me the same. Let me get it all at once instead of having to like macro it or click and click and click. Uh, okay. How else can they fix uh, uh, power play? Obviously, buff the hell out of combat. Um, make fun power play infiltration missions and things like that. Uh, kill all the effects of power play from anything other than open. If you want to play the game in solo mode, that's no problem, but you're not doing power play. Power play open only. Please, for the love of God. Everyone has told you that. Everyone in the community has said that. Uh, <clears throat> devices system to expand based on the total votes uh, so that you can kill fifth column stuff. So like, let, let's say <clears throat> I've been supporting Arissa Lavinia Duvall for <clears throat> a year and I do tons and tons of missions and I do tons and tons of stuff. 
give me more of a vote make it where we vote where we expand not just one guy in solo mode with a bot that's trading the hell out of this just trucking non-stop 24 hours a day these these uh, uh merits to one spot can can screw over the whole system make it and give on the on the on the forums give the power play groups the you know the Alyssa Arissa Livini Duvall and the and the Yuri Groms and the fucking Leon Reese give their group a section where they can go and they can all chat back and forth and they can say like yeah man <clears throat> uh we're all voting we want to expand here and here that's where we're going and they can argue their case and they can whatever but in the end make it to where the people that are doing it that actually give a fuck about power play get to direct how the expansions go as opposed to the fifth column asshole with a bot who's just screwing things over to be funny um <clears throat> so that's you know all of these things right off the top these are sort of obvious things the other thing is divorce the power play modules from the power that you choose make it to where if you're there for x amount of time you 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 get you know oh you can unlock this or that or the other don't make it to where people all flood for their prismatics and then they all flood for their pack hounds and then they all flood for their cridos don't because then you get people that are like oh okay you're the tourists you're the dilettantes that are coming in you're going to be gone in four weeks let people have a cohesive group that they actually believe in and then poor people like father bill father bill's like man i wish i could get prismatic shields and i wish i could get crydo scramblers and i wish i could get this that and the other but i can't because morally I just think it's wrong to support slavery or I just think it's wrong to support this guy or, or you know, uh, she's against slavery, but everything she does is super underhanded for 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 uh, <clears throat> the purple princess. So like, man, let whatever. So divorce those. Now, all of these things that I just said, these are all sort of quick, easy, bare minimum fixes. This is the it's right there. It's low hanging fruit. But let's stop for a moment and think bigger odyssey is doing so much to go above expectations can we not please stipulate all of the above as obvious necessities and also hope for an ambitious expansion of the core gameplay loop imagine every member getting a weighted vote based on their time of service and the total total merits those votes dictating <clears throat> deployments of key locations so let's and this is just off the top of my head maybe you guys have better ideas but what if each power play group, all the people vote and you get one big station and two little stations. These are movable stations that you can deploy much like in Eve, where you have a keep star that you can deploy. That's your fortress. That's your home turf. And all of the other power play factions are trying to attack that keep star. They're trying to attack your fortress and you want to place it sort of back and it gives you a defensive buff of some kind when you're doing the power play stuff and you know other guys are trying to attack it and you have your big defensive fortress and you have two small forward operating bases you've got two fobs and your fobs give a inherent offensive bonus and maybe you place one of your fobs back near your keep star so your fortress so that you can have an offensive and defensive bonus around your fortress so that you can you know sort of play it super conservative and maybe your other fob you have it placed close to somebody else's keep star or close to some other base where you're going to strike so that 
you know, you can maximize your, your, your benefits and whatever. And you say you do this for two months or three months or whatever on a cycle. And if you successfully, you know, attack and take over somebody else's keep star, their, their fortress, their, their, their main base, you know, then for the rest of that whole cycle and for the next cycle, they are at a, you know, severe penalty. Or, or if you attack and take over one of the small forward bases, you know, you neutralize their benefits, their, their, their buff or whatever, and maybe you get their buff or I, I don't know, something. But the idea that I'm going with here is to do something to allow for those people who enjoy PvP. Okay, there's a lot of people that enjoy PvP and in this game, they're kind of bored and they're sitting around because it's like, well, piracy doesn't play pay as good as mining or whatever. So they don't pirate for money or whatever. They just come in and shoot you and blow you up. Whereas if you were to take all of those people that right now are just having fun griefing Care Bears because they're sitting around bored, they're basically high school kids. They're bored with everything. They're too cool for school and they're just going to you know, set fire to the fat kid because they can. And if you were to instead give them an engaging, active, dangerous, exciting loop of things that they could do where they actually were to form up in groups and go murdering each other, you could do a lot to separate the wolves from the sheep so that the sheep, the Care Bears can go play their thing and, and be left alone. And the wolves, they're not going to want the, the sheep because the sheep aren't worth the points. They're going to want the other wolves. And you place, they're going to place their little shit in, in, in zones and the Care Bears will know, man, stay away from that Keepstar. That's a bad spot. That's where there's some shit going to go down. We're going to be over here making money and we're going to let the people that want to play war, we're going to let them play war. But Frontier can make it so exciting, so dynamic. They could take, look at all of these people that want to play PvP. Right now, they're sort of a detriment to the society, to the game as a whole, because they cause grief for the Care Bears. Whereas instead, if Frontier were to give them some active use, something to do that has a positive whatever, they could be an asset. They could drive dynamic gameplay in such a very cool way. All right, I've talked for a lot. Let's hear some uh, uh, thoughts on it. Let's start with Arson. You have an idea on the topic in general. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of going to run through uh, a few of my points similar to what you just did. I'm going to try and keep it uh, keep it simple. Uh, essentially, I feel like, number one, combat does need to be buffed, and we do need to address the uh, elephant in the room with the PvP crowd not having uh, really meaningful content so yes open only power play it needs to be a necessity it's been talked about i know it's been spoken about in the focus group extensively uh with frontier uh from my membership in that group in the past um some other things though that i think need to be changed with combat is if you hit somebody with a kill warrant scanner or manifest scanner uh up to frontier to choose which one uh and you are in your system's uh, control system or exploited system, maybe, uh, show the merits that an enemy commander has against your faction in that control system. And if you kill them, let you uh, you get those merits to buff that uh, PvP combat and give you a reason to do that against hostile commanders. Uh, another thing is 
enable uh, fortification through combat, one of my biggest complaints personally was I prefer patrol-style gameplay, and I also patrol uh, prefer being neutral, so I pledged to Liang Rui, and... I just flew around and protected our systems from hostile commanders. Anytime I found an actual hostile commander, I could never get any merits from killing them, even if they were undermining and had a huge bounty. Um, and I never got merits for killing the NPCs of uh, hostile powers that were uh, actively wanted in the space as well. Also mm. on this, uh, I got a few more items, so I'm going to try and blitz through as fast as okay. possible. But another item that I think needs to happen is we need to actually have um, the the crime and punishment system tweaked a little bit. Right now, if you pledge to a power and you kill another commander pledged to a power, it bypasses the crime and punishment system depending on where you're at. So, for example... If I go in and I am pledged to Felicia Winters and I want to go gank and grief people at, uh, say, Limbava or uh, Pikeham or just general areas around there, any targets in that area that are pledged to Leon Rui um, or perhaps even a different power, I haven't tested the specifics, but if they're pledged to Leon Rui, for example, that becomes a power play war crime and you get a power play bounty which completely bypasses both notoriety and docking restrictions in the local system for committing murder. And that basically... Let me, let me, let me Wait, wait, let me hop in real quick here, because I think you scooted right past the point that I got, and I think everybody on this panel got, but some listeners not might not get. Why did Arson point out Lembaba and the other system? Because it is a known thing that Griepers will pledge at an enemy of wherever the CG is and then go fuck people over just for giggles. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, but I, I just wanted to point that out because some people might not have gotten that reference. Go ahead with your with thought, Arson. Yeah, it's that and also the fact that uh, Leon Rui Space in particular has the 15% discount at all of its stations for, for gear. You can't buy anything else, anything cheaper than Leon Rui Space unless there's a CG like the Imperial one that happened with the uh, cutter discount for 20%. But the the point is right now these players can pledge to power play and then just go wanton commit crimes and murder people even directly in front of stations and if the victim is pledged to uh, a local or hostile power depending on what's happening um, they get no protection whatsoever and the ganker slash griefer gets absolutely no penalty because the power play bounties don't scale the same. You can't pay them off. They don't affect you when you die. They're only there to let power players know that you are wanted. And unfortunately, what that means is huge swaths of space, which I will go in and just kind of uh, show the map real quick. Huge, enormous swaths of space are completely and utterly, uh, I'm way out in which head, but uh, if you are pledged to uh, Aisling, for example, her little blue or white territory here, you can murder anybody uh, that is pledged to another power in that area uh, that without any crime penalties whatsoever. Now, if you were pledged to a hostile power and you go there, you can kill Aisling players freely. 
you want to go to a different era of space, just swap your power, do it again. Yeah. And it is used heavily to bypass crime and punishment entirely, and that needs to change. It should be maybe something more along the lines of if people are taking power play actions, they flag up. Or if people choose to, they can live flagged up, but that's a choice. And then, then you're part of the power play thing or what, something. But yeah, 100% that should be addressed. All right. Mm -hmm. Roy, your thoughts on this? Uh, and I'll preface this by uh, I know just enough about BGS and power play to be dangerous, which means what I'm saying might make complete nonsense. But it, it appears to me that these two systems live in parallel universes and don't really interact. And I think that's I think they're missing a trick here. Like, shouldn't it if the if the power play system is like the federal system and the BGS is like the state system? In my mind, there should be consequence. There should be more consequence in a BGS sense of what what power play uh, leader is in charge of the system you're trying to affect. And, uh, you know, looking through them, yeah, there's certain pluses and minuses about this leader's strong or weak in a corporate or a agriculture or whatever. I get the impression that those are pretty milk toast, meaning there's not much impact and maybe people don't really care. Um, if those were amped way up, if there was actually a reason for having a certain uh, power play allegiance in a certain system in a BGS way, maybe that would better integrate those two systems. And because it feels to me like they're just to two totally, it's like two different kind of BGS style games going on at the same time, which doesn't really make any sense to me from a gameplay immersion standpoint. I dig um, it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a balance between giving people the ability and freedom to pledge how they want to pledge and like you said, having two different systems that are overlaid that are disconnected. Well, and, so, and the reason, and you've already, I mean, I would I would preface all this by saying all the things that you mentioned, which are, um, I'll call them table stakes, things that ought to be fixed, right? Right now, the system's distorted because if you don't give people the freedom to switch amongst systems, they can't get their power play module. They can't get their special weapon or their special shields. Yeah. As soon as you take that away then maybe it makes more sense to treat it like, yeah, this is the supra-government level, and what you're doing on BGS is the lower government level, but obviously the two interact, and why not have a BGS faction want to leverage power that could come from flipping a system to a different power play leader because that yeah. gives them some kind of advantage in combat or trade or defense or something. Like, it feels like there's a yep. huge missing element there. Yeah, it's interesting. It definitely should be looked at. Tweet. Yeah, I think there's a couple things with this. I even think that if you're pledged to one power, say the Empire, any of the empires for that matter, and you fly to federal space, for example, there should be some consequence there, especially if they are possibly feud if the two governments are feuding. You shouldn't just be able to fly through their space. I mean, as it is right now, you're flying through the space and down on your right hand side, you'll see hostile on your above your little uh, picture of your ship there. That's not enough, in my opinion. I think you should be getting targeted by their the federal police, so to speak, especially if they're feuding. And, mm -hmm. and on your point with uh, meaningful PVP, which 
by the way, is something that this community is starving for. One of the best ways to do it, in my opinion, would be to have, for example, these gankers and griefers, when they kill unwanted players, you know, when they're going to Death Yacht and killing brand new players, Care Bears, as you say, they're not wanted. So what that does is that causes notoriety for that player. So for each point of notoriety that player gets, he has to have two hours of in-game time to wear that off. So what if FDev decided, okay, when you have notoriety, that's going to generate assassination missions for people to pick up for the length of time of that notoriety to where then I can go to a station and, oh, hey, there's an assassination mission to go kill Commander, whatever his name is, you know, and... And I don't have to get the amount of money that that commander has. Just give me normal mission rewards and stuff. And that would be some meaningful PvP coming off from all of this kind of stuff. <laughs> the other thing nobody has mentioned, really, is Odyssey. When Odyssey drops and we're going down to settlements that are run by factions that are obviously going to be in certain parts of space... There should be some true consequence and maybe some really cool gunfights coming out of the fact that, hey, we don't like your type around here, that kind of stuff. And and it just it needs to become a more dangerous universe in that regard. Hey, Tweet. Yes. My friend doesn't like you. <laughs> I don't like, I you, don't either. like you either. <laughs> you, you, you made me really wait on that. <laughs> but okay. I was like, I'm not, I was like, I'm not going, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm waiting for him to jump first. All right. Arthur, you just watch yourself. <laughs> Arthur, your, your last point, but we've got to make it quick. Cause we're wrapping things up. Yeah, so just to touch on what Roy said about the effect on BGS, um, Frontier did say when they released PowerPlay that they very much wanted to keep the effect on the BGS minimal and instead focus on BGS work uh, affecting PowerPlay. So what faction, what type of faction controls the system affects how much effort it costs to expand and fortify and stuff like that. I do have to say, though, that the state of the game right now it absolutely absolutely means that what is happening here black markets pay 10 percent more for illegal goods these kinds of bonuses are completely meaningless at the current yep. state of the game so i do agree with roy in the fact that those kinds of things need to be a little bit more pronounced maybe have one effect tritium prices i don't know Amen. Remember, remember last week when I called, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be a very Thargy Halloween. And I, and I said, hey, man, some AXCGs would be good. I'm calling it now the exact same way. Uh, look for new power plate, not just new, new engineers, which they've already confirmed. But what they haven't confirmed yet is look for new power play tied in with this uh with with odyssey and hopefully some some shakeups and some some things and maybe this whole story thing that's happening <clears throat> maybe one or two people go away and three or four new people come in and shit gets sh shaken up and you know look look for some good stuff there but that's a i, I want to get your feedback everybody uh you know what do you think on the first idea that we had about the the weighted cgs and what do you think about this idea about what can be done to address power play to make it better um don't just go with the same old power play and open and fix the merits and we're, like we covered that that's a given let's let's all stipulate now if you want to call if you want to write in and say 
I don't want the merits changed or I don't want power play open only. Okay, then you have something to say there that's interesting. But if you're just parroting what everyone's already said, which is, you know, <clears throat> yeah, fix this, fix that. Okay, that's that's not interesting. Hop in if you have a hot take that's against that and or hop in with other ideas like my idea, my concept of creating combat opportunities and meaningful PvP through the idea of having a, a one large defensive base that grants a defensive buff and two small or forward operating bases that provide maybe an offensive buff and creating a system whereby we encourage people who are flagged up for it, who are set up for power play to murder each other in a fun, dynamic, interesting wolves on wolves kind of way and not just wolves but fucking care bears to collect their salt like that's it's not fun it's not good for the for the overall whatever of the game i don't i'm not saying i don't understand it because if they have nothing meaningful to do right now then yeah they're gonna mine salt just because it's the only thing to do i'm saying at frontier it's not the problem isn't the pvpers the problem is frontier you haven't given them something worthwhile to do to make it actually you know a, a, a viable game loop all right so moving on we are at the point of uh we, we should have already done the giveaway let's do it right now obviously miguel johnson friend of the show awesome album project artemis everyone who uh <clears throat> who uh wants to have a chance to win that album in the chat put um hashtag power play uh and uh we're going to do the feedback section that roy has already got assigned up for everybody and as soon as we're done with the feedback section we will see the hashtag power plays and i'm gonna pick a winner of the uh of the of that that contest Go ahead with the feedback section, Roy, while I create a thing where I list everybody and then <clears throat> randomly randomize a number. Sure. So we had a couple of different feedbacks around this idea of the expansion core that uh, Kai brought up last week, a, a shell around the bubble that uh, FDev could authorize people to expand into unpopulated systems and uh, deliver, deliver resources and build stations and put down a lot of money that might be at risk. So here's a couple uh, different ideas. The first one from uh, LCU No Fool Like One, uh, he wrote, expanding the bubble was something I thought we could do and was very disappointed when I found out we couldn't. So having a mechanism for expanding the bubble really appeals. I think they can get around the naming issue by using ProcGen. Use it to find station building CGs using cache as a gatekeeping function is a really nice idea. In fact, I'd argue why not open it up to the whole of the galaxy? As a person who put up the seed capital, you'd be listed as the founder, so you'd get your name on it that way. Right on. We had another piece of feedback from a commander by the name of Abex. He, he also wants to talk about the expansion core idea. He says, when you let players colonize new systems, I feel like only doing it to expand the BGS is not enough. You need to give players more control over stations and their minor factions, in my opinion. Lore-wise, minor factions are mega corporations, right? Make us stakeholders. Show us a financial report for each tick. Or let us set priorities for the AI faction pilots so 
where they are actually means something and other groups can disrupt them. Just something for players to actually manage. A more player-driven economy could be amazing. I don't know much about EVE, but it does sound like a lot can be learned from it and applied to this wonderful game. Right on. Legit. All right. So, looking at this random number generator, it gave me the number five. One, two, three. Wintermute, congratulations. You win an album. Uh, message me on the Elite Week Discord after the show, and I will get in touch with you with your code. Uh, let's see here. Congratulations. It's a, it's a really, really awesome album. Uh, uh, you know, Miguel Johnson does great work. You all know it already. You've heard many, many, many of his songs. And one of his songs is going to be the closing song of this episode. And, uh, and yeah, Wintermute's got that album now. So he'll be able to uh, go through the whole thing at his leisure. Uh, next up, we have... Community questions. I've already stated what those are. One and two. Please get in. Write on it. I'd like to hear your thoughts. Put it in the, the uh, uh, under the Elite Week Discord. There's a channel that says Community Feedback Questions. With on You can send it in to EliteWeek3306 at gmail.com. You can uh, uh, put it in the comment section of this very video. And we will respond. And you'll get to hear your thoughts on the air next week and uh you know maybe stir up some input or get some some things going all right let's move on to state of the game as far as i'm concerned the state of the game is uh awesome i'm super super excited the axcg coming you know like well no not coming back it's a first time ever uh having an axcg is awesome starting the process of the AX content coming back, you know, I understand the thoughts of the AXI where they're like, hey, man, that's, uh, you know, just it's not even AXCZs. It's just you're just doing it. OK, yes, I get it. But Frontier is highlighting it and telling people to get involved in this. Frontier has already told us we're going to have a very, very spooky Halloween special event. There have been, oh, I don't know, a billion fucking leaks going around about stuff with AX and, and whatever that people have been data mining and this, that, and the other. It doesn't take a huge logical leap to say A plus B plus C equals good news on the horizon. Frontier has told you all specifically when people say in the chat and streams, man, what about AX? What about Thargoids? What about Thargoids? And, and Art looks right in the screen and says, guys, relax. There's something for everyone. I swear it's coming. And I get then the response of like, well, yeah, maybe in seven months. No, not in seven months. It's coming sooner. Just relax. Play nice. Shit's coming. Um, so, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, the state of the game is awesome. And uh, the cheese of the week is how about play some fucking Elite Dangerous. Uh, tweaked. Your thoughts, state of the game. My state of the game is I love the direction the game is going. <clears throat> but I will be just a little critical of the newer CG. I think mm. I think this CG is geared, judging by the rewards, more towards the newer player. A free Guardian mm. FSD booster, free or cheaper materials at the station out there. So that's kind of in, 
it, it giving incentive to the players that haven't already done all those grinds to get out there and do some of this stuff, which is great. Love it. Props to FDEV. However, one of the first things I saw in some of the PvP discords I'm in is, oh, looks like we're going to kill bug hunters now. Mm. And and that... Tweaked, he dropped out. All right. Yeah, I think I need to disconnect and reconnect. Disconnect and reconnect. We'll come back to you. Arson, your thoughts? So I feel like the state of the game is amazing. Now, I will say this on the AX stuff. When they dropped the CG, I don't know where I said it. I think I said it somewhere on the Discord. But I made the comment that I believe personally that they have been working on uh, basically stability for multiplayer. And I think they were doing that because... Uh, they didn't. They turned off uh, AXCZs specifically because of the instability that everybody talks about in AX combat, invincible heart bugs, uh, desync things like that. Um, and I think that they're waiting to prove that that technology works right that they've tried to fix before going in and turning those on because AXCZs are one of the, if not the most difficult content in the game, hands down. Mm. I just want to point out, I feel like I'm right about that because I have had my wingmate, uh, Fred Mayfield, in with me on almost every single one of my encounters today with Thargoids, and not one of my encounters has experienced desync tonight. Not a single heart has been invincible. My Thargoids haven't been warping around, and Fred Mayfield is on the complete opposite side of the world from me. So I got to, yeah, I got to say that compared to the last three times I've gone out AX hunting, it is spot on Frontier. Congratulations. Y'all have done a good job so far. I'm looking right forward on. to the CZs. All right. So let's recontinue. Tweak dropped and came back. Uh, sorry for the technical difficulties. Where Tweak froze or dropped out, in case he doesn't know, was he was saying PvP players were saying we're going to kill new guys and, and then you froze. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Okay. Okay. Well, and, and I said that is part of the game. It's a CG. So you're going to, you just have to expect that to happen. But where FDEV kind of dropped the ball, I think, is instead of just having the threat fours and the threat fives and the threat sixes to drop in and do your instance and yada da, they should have these Thargoids, these bugs, hyperdicting players left and right. If you're a human player heading in this direction, there should be a high probability of getting hyperdicted by a Thargoid. That would help protect the Care Bears, the newer players that are out there trying to get this stuff and experience this. And it would thrill the PvPers, honestly. It, it would be an exciting bit of gameplay for everybody involved. I, I dig that idea tweaked. I think what we're seeing the, today, what we're seeing starting yesterday, is step one of a many-step process and we're going to see shit ramp up and we're going to see shit sit happen more and more so yeah let's keep our fingers crossed and our eyes open for good stuff on the horizon art told us keep your eyes open for hints of what's to come for halloween roy yeah i'll thread on that i mean art keeps reiterating that they have a two-year they've created a two-year storyline so it's building slowly and they've shown a level i think of sophistication that we were discussing around the marlinist you know cg that means we need to pay attention to details um, and as far as this first CG, 
giving resources to new players to participate. I think what this means is maybe that what's coming is unavoidable and they need to give everybody a reason to be leveled up uh, or at least not have excuses to not be able to participate. So I would just say, take the hint. Absolutely. Shit is coming. What do you think, Carson? I absolutely agree that shit is coming and I am looking forward to it. <laughs> Arson is not looking in the show notes channel. No, no the, the recording booth, he's not. <laughs> yeah, our shit is seamless. We were like a fine world <laughs> fucking machine. Everybody's speaking heavily. All right, guys, we love you. Go out. Uh, fuck up some bugs, or or don't if you're if you're so inclined to say that I'm a conscientious objector. I'm against that. Whatever, man, you do you. I'm on team people. Uh, everybody, uh, this is Kai Zen signing out, saying, uh, "Watch the doors and corners, kids. That's where they get you." Tweet. Say goodbye. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. I hope not having a guest wasn't too uh, cumbersome for everybody tonight. And uh, stay safe and fly open. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one other thing I want to say is uh, uh, Terjan Starstone, feel better, bro. I hope you feel better soon. Arson, say goodnight to the beautiful people. Good night, everybody. Don't forget to tip your Thargoids with Gauss. There you go. Roy, say goodnight to the beautiful people. Be dangerous, be deadly, but don't be a dick. Uh, and, and real quick, real quick, uh, Kai, don't you want to uh, mention next week's show? Uh, yeah, I do. I want to mention, uh, not what you're thinking. I'm going to throw you, uh, you think I'm going to zig, but I'm going to zag. I'm going to mention that next week, we're going to hear a little something from a Yuna Sakashiro, big 07 to you. And, uh, yeah, you know what else I'm going to mention? I'm going to mention, tune in next week to hear, uh, the beautiful, the lovely, the sexy Watherspoon, uh, and also the intelligent, uh, and, and, uh, erudite, uh, Beetlejude uh come hang out with us uh so that should be fun fun times and uh and in two weeks how about we have a little down to earth astronomy come and tinfoil had it with us mm -hmm. all right guys arson play us out good night everybody <laughs>